It's Halloween. We're gonna have a good time tonight. Right, listen, folks. Listen, folks, please. The boogeyman is at large. He's got no choice but to emerge. He is an apex predator. When he surfaces, there will be no pause. There will be no empathy. This ends when Michael is dead. Michael Myers will be executed tonight, and it will not go without witness. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. Slimy to the ghoulish. And as I said before, it's it's here. It's the day of Halloween. Samhain or Sahain or however you pronounce it. It's the day with the pumpkins. It is Halloween. And as you know, we've been looking at most of the Halloween movies. And this trilogy has been a long time coming. It's going to be a David Gordon Green party. We're here to celebrate and lift up these movies, um, particularly one that got a particularly bashed throughout um, the series, which I may have had a hand in. Chris certainly went for gold on kills in in his episode. <laughs> We're talking about part two. Um, but I've got two amazing guests for this episode. The first is, um, well, the two biggest fans of Halloween Kills and possibly maybe um, <laughs> ends, but we'll, we will see. Um, yes, we're doing uh, Halloween t- uh, 2018, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. But first I have the amazing Mark Warner here. Hey, how's it going? Lindsay, I am thrilled. I am thrilled to be talking some Halloween thrills some Halloween chills, and some Halloween movies. That's what they should have called them at the first one, actually, the Halloween thrills. <laughs> that would, you know what? That would have been amazing to have, yeah. Uh, yeah, an Ills trilogy. Yes, it really should have. And also, I have the other biggest fan of this uh, trilogy, and that is, of course, Hayden Gilbert. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Lindsay, Mark... I stretch out a hand today to haters of Halloween Kills, and I say, we're not enemies, but friends. I quote the great Abraham Lincoln to say that this is the time to bury the hatchet. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> to just all come together and realize that, look, we've had a few perfect movies in this franchise, and everything else beyond that is gravy. And as long as no movie is as bad as Halloween Resurrection, we're all winners here. All these movies are good. Yes, that is keep what I keep hearing when I hear this is that when ends is the worst Halloween movie of all time. I'm like, you do realize we live in a world with resurrections. <laughs> I I know resurrection even even that movie because every movie has its uh, defenders. Yes, I think we can all come together, and this is like a moment where the world can unite and say, look, 
even if you like Resurrections, you you got to admit it's the worst one. It is. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Rules of engagements, Bianca Kajlik causes a glass to break solely by screaming. I think it's the greatest movie ever made. Oh, I'm not saying, hey. (laughs) She does. She does that. I think twice even. Um, I don't know. Buster Rhymes saves that movie by narrating everything he does. So that is all I'm going to (laughs) say. I love whenever she breaks the glass and he goes, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Worst producers <Man>. ever. <laughs> and they were they were planning on going forward with Busta Rhymes for a small moment. Oh, actually, I would have been all for that. Because, yeah, Busta Rhymes was very entertaining in that movie. And I mean, he's the one that states the thesis of the movie at the end. He's the one that turns to the camera and tells us what it's all really about. Because Michael, Michael Myers, Myers is, a, ain't no soundbite. He's not a soundbite. He's a killer shark in baggy-ass overalls. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to get to this because we have a lot to cover. I So we might as well get into it. Uh, we're doing something different. We're each going to pick one trailer for each movie so we can just get straight into the movies. So first, we're going to get into Deborah Gordon Green's opening to this uh his magnum opus of from halloween from 2018 i'm the one who's actually doing this trailer so i'm doing this one first um i want i wanted to pick a tone just throughout the movie just to know that we're going to be getting into something different so i am actually going to go for jason goes to hell from 1993 horror has many faces death wears many different masks But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. Jason goes to hell the final Friday. A movie I actually really like. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people do shit on this movie, but I think it's a good time. That movie's a blast. I, uh, I, it is, I'm not really. <laughs> I guess I'm the out of the three of us. I'm the one who probably likes it the least. But even I like the audacity. You know, I like the crazy swing it takes. Might be talking about another movie that takes some crazy swings later. But uh, I, uh, the, of course, the thing that sticks with me above all else is uh, isn't it Creighton Duke? Yes. Yes. Great character. Great. Yes. Considering they almost dressed up the sheriff exactly like Creighton Duke in this trilogy. So <laughs> as soon as he pops up and and, and no, whoa, whoa, look, look, we're not even we're not even talking about the movies yet. Let's wait. Let's save the MVP talk <laughs> for when we actually get to them. Let's let's save cowboy hat talk for when we're talking about the movies. Okay, yes. Um I think Jason goes to hell is yeah, I think it's an, I think it's a movie that takes a huge swing. I think it does something that um, would either get people really mad because there is no Jason or he's in, he's actually in there, but he's only in there for like five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I love the fact that that towel stays on that FBI agent. I and mean, when she's doing like flips <laughs> and everything like that, and it still stays on. Um, I like how it's spoken fun of itself. Yeah, no, hell, uh, Jason goes to hell is a blast. So mm-hmm. yes, uh, that is going to be my opening, uh, for when we, well, we might as well just get into it. Everyone in my family, like, turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. 
you know that I pray every night that he would escape? Who the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. 2018, they announced they're doing another Halloween. Everyone's excited, but yet trepidatious. And yeah, Blumhouse somehow sneaks the rights from out under, well, Miramax was gone by the stage. So their name is copping up in a lot of movies again. They're like proud to go, hey, Miramax. I'm like, too soon, guys. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's a divergent, uh, but no. Um, yeah, uh, let's go, Hayden. What was your first thoughts when you find when you saw that marvelous creature that was dr sartine <laughs> <laughs> so i he's the per- so, i just want to say he's he is the perfect person to ask this question <laughs> okay so okay look here's the thing when i i okay i'm on record on many of these podcasts saying this is my favorite horror franchise and it, it certainly is martin it certainly is and but i do have to admit i did not come to this franchise itself until later in life than a lot of people. I did not start watching horror sequels until I was in my 20s. And a mutual friend of Mark's and I actually got me into them and watched them all along with me. So my road with Halloween was not really super bumpy because I I was having a great time as I was watching them. And so it was all leading up to, it was a few years before 2018, but it was really leading up to 2018 because mm. it it kind of paved this glorious path for me where I was just, I was ready and waiting for this thing to come out. And when I first saw it, uh, I was kind of like, Dan Epler put it a good way on, I was just started listening to y'all's episode that dropped today oh, about yeah. um, Cult of the uh, Curse of Michael Myers Cult of and Empty Baby. Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. And y'all were talking about how uh people are kind of coming around on 2000s movies because i think we're finally getting to a point where a lot of horror fans are kind of thinking that okay not every movie has to break the mold and like redefine the genre and be the exorcist right it's okay to just like have fun i think at that stage in 2018 i was still thinking like okay every movie has to be hered every horror movie has to be hereditary it has to be the greatest thing i've ever seen and so when i saw halloween 2018 i don't know why i was very disappointed in it overall but i did love the twist with sartain because it was the one moment in the movie where i sat up and was like i have no idea what's going to happen with this movie and then it kind of does away with that but i always held on to like this I, I started, my conspiracy brain started cooking up all these thoughts and theories about the movie, and I just so enjoyed following the process of these sequels that I was, like, hanging on every word and whatnot. But over the years, um, 
I kind of kept watching 2018 and kind of joking about it, making little jokes mm-hmm. uh, here and there. And eventually I just realized that, okay, I don't love this movie. Ironically, I kind of just really enjoy uh, Halloween 2018. So, Yeah, that's a, sort of a really good point. I didn't really get into the Well, actually the first Halloween movie I ever saw was H2O just because I was just in a big anything Kevin Williamson writes. I am there kind of mode. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, as I got into my 20s, I still really started watching all the sequels and had, realized I was having a really good time with them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, yeah, Hayden, you're not wrong about the conspiratorial brain of Sartine. I was just like, aha, <laughs> I see it. Um, but we'll get into to that. Um, Mark, um, were you excited? Because um, I know I was really happy when I saw that trailer. I was like, oh, they've got the music, they've got everything. Um, so oh, yeah. were you hyped for Halloween 2018? Oh, Absolutely. Halloween's my favorite franchise, has been so for uh, quite some time, okay. I'd say. Uh, yeah, I think back when I saw the documentary Halloween 25 Years of Terror back in 2007, it just clicked for me. Like, oh my God, I am a Halloween super fan. I love this franchise. And from that moment on, it's been like every new Halloween movie, even if it's not going to be the best, even the best movie ever, because mm. It's not a franchise that contains like many of the best movies ever made. Well, it wasn't that back then. For yourself, somehow, right? with back when the past decade, it has uh, somehow cooked up a couple of quote unquote masterpieces. Mm, it has. Uh, I digress. Uh, so yeah, 2018, I was stoked. Mikey was coming back, and. They're bringing Carpenter back. They're bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back. They're bringing in an auteur, a respectable director. Everything is there for you to get excited for it. It is pretty hard for you to be disappointed with uh, this crew bringing it together. Uh, Didn't see it for like five or six months. Uh, 2018 was a crazy year for me. I was not going to the movies a lot and uh, missed out on a lot of like, movies that i was really excited for uh so but i do think that kind of helped prepare me because i had heard lots of talk about there's uh like does some weird things in the final act and so i was primed for that when i saw it but yeah i watched it and it was exactly how everyone felt it it was a great throwback to the original in terms of mood in Mm. terms of pacing in terms of it's not just a a standard slasher film i mean it is but it's more focused on creating a sense of atmosphere um and i just oh sorry go on you were no no i was just agreeing with you (laughs) i do want to say uh, in terms of expectations because with the hype and the build-up and everything i just want to say right now because we're recording this the weekend that halloween ends dropped and came out and people are starting to watch it and talk about it Mm. There is this cultural kind of conversation going on where like everyone is comparing the Halloween, this Halloween trilogy to the Star Wars sequel trilogy. I don't really get it, to be completely honest with you. I think the only one that is a one to one comparison would be Halloween 2018 and The Force Awakens. And I don't know if y'all want to go into that but this would be the only one that i would really kind of compare no yes because i sort of watched them backwards because when i got a chance to see because when i got as soon as i got a chance to see ends i saw it and then i watched kills and then i watched um oh uh the halloween 18 a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. and 
it was yeah i think you're right because it is very it is very the most classically made out of the three of them like mm -hmm. it's like he's kind of messing it up as he goes along he's playing you can tell david gordon green's like going structure who needs structure um but in 18 he's very much concerned about the structure and the feel of what the first halloween was especially mm -hmm. with the switching roles between michael and and jamie lee curtis throughout mm -hmm. the um throughout the thing and so yeah i would absolutely agree with that it's it's going for that fair okay what was the tone of the, the 1978 halloween and that is what the 2018 is trying to do overall and then he's throwing in these ideas that i think become way more prevalent later on as you go through the series um but yeah i think that is a really good comparison because it is literally it's not necessarily going for fan service in that one as much though i think there was a few things where i'm like oh shit there's that nurse oh shit there are those shitty kids from kills mm -hmm. um i was like oh 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 i'm noticing things um but it is yeah it is definitely going for how do we recapture that mood because the first hell because if 70 if, yeah, if 78 is anything it's all about a mood it's all about capturing this airiness that I think mm. that the score does really, really well. And and then David Gordon Green goes and plays with it a little bit. Yeah, it is definitely putting you back in that Halloween mode, which Force Awakens is absolutely doing with Star Wars. It wants you to it wants to get you excited about Star Wars again. That is what yeah. Force Awakens does. And it does an incredible job at that. Right. Well see, I think I do think it's an it's appropriate to compare them to that trilogy. Uh with a couple of reservations because yeah 2018 absolutely force awakens 2019 or uh, 2019 what am i doing halloween kills is like thriving on nostalgia a lot but i do strongly believe that the final that movie's also got a lot of the last jedi in it in that it is Burn the, it to like, the ground. The <laughs> yeah the whole message of that is let the past die and all the legacy <laughs> characters are just getting slaughtered in that movie. You literally have two of them slaughtered back to back in the uh, final confrontation of that movie. Three. And then it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Oh, no, all through the and... movie. I mean, you have poor the nurse. Yeah. Well, poor Lee Brackett yeah, gets it. <laughs> you got Lonnie Elam. And then, like, yeah. back to back, you've got uh, Brackett and Tommy Doyle. Oh, yeah. And. Um, so yeah, that uh, it does a switcheroo and then it kind of sets the series up to go its own way. And where I think it differs from the Star Wars trilogy is it doesn't try to retrace its steps back to the originals. It is content in going its own way, which uh, they kind of chickened out with after The Last Jedi. Yes, but David is. Gordon Green's like, uh, oh no, no, we're continuing to go this route because it's uh, it's not a mega, it's not a multi- hundred million dollar blockbuster it is like a multi one million dollar blumhouse budget and they can afford to take those risks yes yes they can because they know they're gonna just like just that money is just gonna be poured right back it's gonna be shoved back down their throats because <clears throat> fans are so hungry for it that is well i mean halloween fans well i'm not even the halloween fans are not as um they're, they're vocal but they're not as <clears throat> as uh as star wars fans <laughs> I, I just, I just the corner, the corner of I the think, Star Wars fans, yeah, yeah. I don't have any. I don't know. I was jumping in. I don't have anything else to say. I think the thing, and I, I know I'm the one who said I, I don't see anything about the Star Wars connection. I don't even, I don't mm. even know how much of 
you know, there is really to buy in on that conversation. But I will say, I guess for me is like the thing about the Star Wars sequel trilogy is that those movies are so concerned with commenting on the movie that came before more than anything else. It's like the the Force Awakens is directly a reaction to the prequels. Yes. Last Jedi is directly a reaction to Force Awakens. And Rise of Skywalker is directly a reaction to Last Jedi. And I don't really see that in this trilogy, uh, oh. except for except for 2018 uh, being about the legacy of the the first movie and, you know, throwing some stuff about the, you know, sequels for fans and whatnot. But, um, yeah. It's yeah, it, it I think it is it, it is that, and that was probably a condition of with David Gordon Green going into it. Because as watching this whole trilogy now, I don't he definitely wanted to do something very very different with mm-hmm. with Michael Myers and Halloween to the point yeah. where Michael Myers isn't necessarily the most important part of of, of the trilogy. Um, with his right, Star Wars is always directly concerned with what just happened before, and how do we change that? How do we maneuver that? And what do we do with that? And I think it's that's to it's a little bit to its to its detriment. As as someone who say who does generally love Last Jedi, um, and is growing on the Last Skywalker. I can't remember the top. The Sky, Rise the, of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Um, the final Skywalker. Um, yeah, I'm. It took me a while because I'm like, why do you? Eat? There's no. Yeah, there's never moving forward unless like let the past die in in jedi which i was like oh yeah let the past just go let let carl ren with his hair forming please um but this one yeah but halloween um halloween 2018 is very much about i want to set the mood i want to get you guys comfortable before i go completely batshit nutty um with the Mm. rest of this with this trilogy and i think it's to get effect like i will question jamie lee curtis's performance in kills i cannot question her this one in in 2018 i think she's fantastic this this obsessed kind of uh, we'll get into how david gordon green sees trauma which is a little bit weird but the way that she's just obsessed with michael and michael is just not obsessed with her Everyone is obsessed with Michael. Um, mm. But Michael's just going around going, oh, I get to kill now. I have my mask. I'm powering up. Yeah, let's do this. Um, the scene when he's walking down the street and then that's when you really have Carpenter score gearing up and you can see him. He walks in with a hammer. He kills that woman. He looks at the baby. Everyone's going, oh, no. But then he gets his knife mm-hmm. and he's walking down the street and there's a way he just adjusts it. And I love it so much. I'm like, okay, this is, okay, it's Michael Myers. And he's just... He's not killing indiscriminately. He's looking for prey, which I adore. Like it's, uh, he's not concerned about really what anyone else's feelings are because he's just a hollow sociopath. Uh huh. The so I want to that back, scene uh, of him. That scene of him going from house to house. Yeah. Is so scary. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really good. It's yeah. It's great. Sorry, Mike, you wanted to go, in the tri- So you wanted oh, to go I back? I just wanted or? to first. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back. First off, I'll say that scene is great, but in the second trailer, they have that scene and there's no music. There's no score playing over it. It's just sound effects and you can hear the fluorescent light bulb as he Mm. walks underneath it. And I think it's so much eerier because in the movie, they're just playing the Halloween theme and it kind of feels like temp music. Like, Mm. let's just put the Halloween theme in here while we think of an actual score to, well, while we score a new piece for Mm. it. And they just never did. Mm. But there's a few scares. 
Mm. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry I'm stepping on y'all. The there's a few scares that I think are better in the trailer. That one and especially the the closet in Julia in Julian's room is edited much better in the trailer where it's just the one shot from Julian's perspective yes. of um, the baby. I'm forgetting her, her name, but the Vicky. friend, the Vicky. Yeah. Hmm. Vicky trying to close the door and then Michael's there. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I just, I wanted to go back because you meant you briefly mentioned David Gordon Green's take on trauma yeah. and this whole, like that's what this whole trilogy is about. Like, and pretty much, Every Halloween movie, for the most part, since uh, um, H2O, like, the bulk of them have dealt with trauma. Mm. Like, H2O, and then Rob Zombie's Part 2, and then this whole trilogy. And that is a common criticism, uh, where they don't handle trauma as well as uh, uh, H2O. But then I also hear people criticizing H2O, and I've heard them say that, uh, portrayal of trauma is not as strong as the uh, 2018 in this trilogy's mm. portrayal. And it's got me thinking, look, I don't really have much experience with people who have gone through mm. trauma, so I can't speak. I'm not an expert. I cannot speak. You're not, uh, Dr. Sa- you're not, you're not Dr. Sartain. I'm- you don't understand the obsession <laughs> with evil. <laughs> Dr. Sartain doesn't deal with trauma. He deals with evil. And we're going to get does. into that. But <laughs> He's he's Doctor Evil. He's Doctor. He's Doctor Evil. <laughs> my point being, just like you know, humans are different, and I like to think different people can react to trauma differently. I don't like the idea of putting this one blanket definition of trauma over these movies and forcing it to match up to that. And I like that we have three vastly different like portrayals of trauma. We've got the. Um, yeah, you know, we've got the high-functioning alcoholic in H2O. We've got the complete and utter mess who's just losing control of her own mm. sanity in Rob Zombie's too. And then we have the woman who's just been preparing for another... Uh, preparing for another encounter with mm. more trauma anywhere Sarah down Connor. the road her entire mm. life. Yes, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Connor, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's just my viewpoint on this... Uh, yeah, the, the discourse around oh, these movies. Oh, that is absolutely it. It's just when I was watching the trilogy again, I noticed that there's this kind of weird thing of tr- trauma is a thing you can pick up and put down almost, especially in in um, especially in ends uh, is when we get into it. But it is that was just something I noticed. I don't necessarily it's just kind of a, it was a weird thing for me. But trauma is such a personal thing to each person. Like it's hard to define. Like I know Hayden has joked about before horror never really started until the Babadook when they really investigated. It changed it all. It changed <laughs> it all. It changed it all. I know. I mean, there was no horror before the Babadook. Um, because they were all suspense before that. <laughs> and it is. And yes, dealing with trauma is this 20-year theme that we have gone through with horror and we're not letting go because that is kind of the era that we're in at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Horror is much more of a blatant investigation into the human psyche, which is trauma. Um, And I think it's very, very personal, but that was just one thing I just noticed in it that I was like, huh, it's a a weird take for me. Not that I think that it's a, a universal kind of thing, but... Yeah, this is why I think there's a lot of discourse around Halloween because everyone sees trauma differently. Some people are the high-functioning alcoholics. Some people are the doomsday uh, preppers. Some people are 
um, Laurie, uh, Laurie in Halloween too, who kiss in with Rob Zombie, who can't doesn't know how to, who has lost her ability, like myself at the moment, to communicate with people. <laughs> <laughs> she just doesn't know how to. She was just, she's either screaming at people or she's making people very awkward by just like casually saying, "Hey, Michael Myers is my brother, and he's probably going to come and kill me. How about that?" <laughs> it's, it's how good is that movie? Oh, it's so good. It's my yeah. favorite one, I think. Uh, yeah, for some I, reason, I, I, I don't think... want to. Yeah, I don't want to look at Halloween two oh seven again. But I, I can't stop looking at um, Halloween two. I can't. I, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm always in constant battle with myself about two thousand sevens, but there's just so many actors I love in it, and I really do like the remake half nice. of it. Mm. I, overall, overall, I do like the Rob Zombie, the first Rob Zombie one. But I don't know, man. I saw. I saw H2 on a one of the worst dates of my life. Very bad movie to take a date to. We went and got a Waffle House after, and it was like, I, I've never felt so trashy in my whole life, but ever since I was like, I love that. That movie was wild and very surreal. I can't believe I saw that in a theater with like a, a general public audience. And like, I love, I think that's the most interesting Halloween movie still. And I, it's still my favorite, but it's like it's so hard to to pick a favorite, I guess, from this franchise because there's so many that I feel like I have like a personal love for, you know. It's, it's let's like, not forget we're talk we're talking to the one person who would include part five in that debate. I yes. do love part five because when I was because when I was watching with me and Mark's mutual friend, that the way he set it up was he was like, okay. We just watched four and five. This is generally considered to be like the worst one other than resurrection. So I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to see what I get myself into. And like, yeah, it's kooky and very strange and the tone is all over the place. But man, I fell in love with that movie. I thought I had a blast watching it. And I, I still I still love rewatching it. Um, but I love that I you think- love five. <laughs> It's so, I mean, like, it's so, it is a very obnoxious movie, and it's clearly a movie made in a year where they like had to rush it through production, and it was not helped by the director throwing out the script and you know, coming up with these ideas on set and whatnot. But, uh, very eccentric guy. But, like, the thing I like so much about the Halloween movies is that they are like. They're like a box of chocolates. Like each movie is going to be different. I was going really to throw that in there. <laughs> because like, even, even though the Friday, like the nightmare movies are all exactly the same. They're yeah. all exactly the same. The, uh, the Friday movies, even though they take bigger, or even though they take some risks uh, at the end of the Paramount years or whatever, I, I just think the ones that take the risks feel so cheap and like fake. I, I never can really buy into the Friday 13th movies. These are just like wild little objects. I, I love the vibe of Halloween. It's so good. The, the vibe of Halloween is always great. And yes, each movie is definitely different and you can kind of put them more into errors, era, um, a whole bunch more than any of the other series. I mean, Friday the 13th is pure comfort for me. They're just like little bloody candies. Mm-hmm. I can just pop in. I'm just like, okay, I'm watching a Friday the 13th movie. Yes, there are some that take swings, which I generally love, like uh, Jason X, Five, Three, and Jason Goes to Hell, I think, are just dumb, beautiful, dumb, gorgeous, beautiful fun. Um, 
And, yeah, because I was watching sort of Scream yesterday, I was like, oh, my three franchises are definitely Scream, Friday, and Halloween. That's, mm-hmm. that is how it goes. But it is, yeah, how, the, all the Halloween movies can be so different, and you can just pick one, and that oh, that's my Halloween. Like, those are my favorite, that's my favorite era, whether it right. is um, four, five, and six, or one, two, and three, or um, the 18 kills and ends. They're kind of, you can just kind of pick your favorite and go from there. Mm-hmm. Now, how do y'all? So, okay, I, we're still talking about 2018. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, okay, so David Gordon Green. How how much do y'all think that the sequels were planned in advance when they when they were making the first movie? Because they announced kills and ends how many years after making after filming and wrapping the first movie. Oh, they always um, said it was going to be a like, trilogy. It was pretty. Quick. I mean, it was going to be. You I mean think... like how long? They were they announced it like almost a year to the day. I think after 2018 was released, so October 2019. Yeah. Right. So it there was, was meant a... to be released in 2019, if I remember correctly, but then COVID happened. No, it was, uh, 2020. Oh, 2020 was when always. It was okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I know that there there were massive changes in the interim between each movie and we can get into them as we go into each movie. I'm just wondering, like, I mean, there was never a chance that Bloomhouse was only ever going to make one and call it a day. Be like, okay, we got the rights to the biggest, one of the biggest slasher franchises. We're just making one. We'll let, we'll let the rights die now with her on the vine. Uh, But like, I do remember there was def there was a definitive ending was shot for 2018. So, uh, like, I mean, there was there was an ending where Lori dies in 2018. See, um, I would have preferred that. Wait, there was? <laughs> I, yeah, there was. I don't there think was I've an ending that. shot where they had, or there was an ending scene where they get in a knife fight on her front lawn, and I think one of the shots is like in the trailer with like her big searchlights behind her, and she's in the front lawn with a big hunting mm. knife, and Michael stabs yeah. her, and she dies, and then you see Michael, it's, it's a very, the way, the way it was described was very weird. You see Michael like limping away and then he just goes, and he falls and then his breathing stops. And then it goes, and that's the end. It's like, okay, they both died. I have, okay. okay, I have heard completely different things about, like I've heard about that ending, but all I've heard is like, Michael is like lying dead, and then it's revealed that he might not actually be dead. I haven't heard anything about Lori. It's revealed dying. it was a paramedic. He he switched them. He switched. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's a funny thing about Resurrection is like the worst the worst movie in the franchise is the one that on its face on paper is like the one the fans would like the most. It's just it's. Get rid of the Lori shit. Michael is good, which I guess it, at this point, everybody loves the Lori shit. But like mm. the uh, so many fans are like, just get Michael back in the house, have him kill some teens. And then uh, and that's what that movie is. Every other Halloween movie kind of goes against your expectations in a way, for except for 2018. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to that, I would have actually if Lori had died in that first one and then and then Judy Greer just kind of take on everything else. I think I would have been fine with that. Mm-hmm. I would um, have loved that. Yeah, but it, that is a, such a weird... Yeah, Blum, Blum, even if they had filmed an ending with Michael dying, they would have never, ever. I mean, I know the original producer, Ahmed Ak- oh, 
I should have had Mustafa Card. Mustafa, Mustafa Card. Card had a stipulation that Michael could never die, um, right. which is why resurrections happened the way it did. Um, mm. that, like me being a early twenties, just sitting in that theater bed going, you have betrayed me, Michael. <laughs> that, whole, well, that whole beginning. The thing that Mustafa <laughs> Akkad never understood is like, there is an easy fix to this. Yeah. Just like, you got to give up one of the things. He's always like, no, no supernatural. I don't want it to be cerebral. And then he was also like, oh, and die. Michael can never die. <laughs> so it's like, just give up on the cerebral thing. Let these people do whatever the heck they want. Have him get his head cut off in H2O and have him replace it with a pumpkin in Resurrection. Like, literally, just get weird with it. And we would, like, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. No, it's because, yeah, it's because of that reason that Halloween has always walked this very fine line, which I think this tr whole trilogy is kind of about, of whether Michael is human or whether he's supernatural. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think this series has kind of gone, okay, which side do we lean to? Because we can't really kill him and we can't really have him have a pumpkin head which would fucking be amazing um it's also the fan whenever one. yeah whenever you hear fans interviewed about halloween and they're like i really like the thing that separates uh halloween from all the other horror franchise that michael is just a man he's not a supernatural beast or anything like that and he's a man yet that got shot six times seven if you count part two <laughs> uh falls off a balcony or, yep, and set on fire survives. numerous times. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking about the first one, but yeah, first one. oh, yeah, mm. everything that he's suffered in the entire franchise, and he's still alive. Yeah, it's all these little cliches that they just say they don't actually believe them. You know, it's like pretty sure I've like, even heard people say that about Jason, too. And it's no, like, all right, no, Jason's a confirmed no, zombie now. He's, he's never been human. <laughs> so, I want to get y'all's. I want to gauge what kind of Halloween fans y'all are. I'm not trying to be gate creepery or anything right now. I'm just saying, like, oh I want to know. Okay, so the three main tenets in my in my uh, mind mm. of Halloween. I want y'all to rank what y'all like from best to to mm. like the least. Michael Myers, uh, Laurie Strode, and Doctor Loomis. These three aspects of the Halloween uh, movies. Thing. I would get, I mean, Michael Myers, Loomis, and Laurie Strode. But that's it, my exact. That's not to say that I dislike Laurie Strode. I love all those elements. I would just put her at the bottom of that list. I do get a lot more excited for, like, what's Michael going to be doing this time? How insane is Loomis going to be in this go around? Because well, I think I'm, this is I'm, a good. I'm Loomis, Michael, and Laurie. And not to say I love Laurie. Like, this is not yeah. dissing Laurie, but I'm. Well all Loomis. I'm all crazy doctor. <laughs> I, I'm Mark's exact ranking, but I'll be honest, I don't really care about Lori, which is mm. a, re a reason I love kills. And it's, and I I think Lori's fine, but I don't really have any real affection or attachment to her. But I do think that ranking those in your mind is a good bellwether for like what movies you will like the most out of this franchise. I think I just want to echo correct. I want to echo mm. uh I want to echo Rob's sentiment from your part four episode. I would say Rachel is a far better final girl than Lori, honestly, from part four. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. I would say from the original, I still love Lori and H2O. Like, I think there's something about Jamie. Jamie's just peak Jamie Lee Curtis in 98. I mean, this in True Lies, I'm just like, oh, hello. Um, but I, Rachel is way up there. She is 
she is kind of better than that movie overall in a weird way so again when you give me a final goal i really like and then you diss her in the next movie i get very angry apparently this and this is probably my major issues with five well, in the next movie <laughs> the next movie is another one of hayden's favorites and it's another one that sidelines the final girl so i think we oh have, no. they, they do judy dirty and <laughs> again you make me fall in love with judy but, greer in um 2018 well, no, no, <laughs> I, I was talking about Laurie just being in a hospital the whole time. Again, yes. I mean, I, Judy, that's, oh, God, that's, what we, what, we'll we get to that eventually. Well, actually, before, before, yeah, before we get to into kills, I do want to ask uh, about three things. One, yeah, Judy, the relationship between Judy Greer, um, Ellison, and Jamie Lee Curtis, kind of like the three generations of, of Michael Myers, I guess. Um, I love Judy Greer in this movie. I love the fact that she's wearing a Santa um, a Christmas sweater. I love the fact that she is actually more tougher than nails than I think even her mother is giving her credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's taken her mother's lessons. She just didn't want any, but she just didn't want to deal with it. But when it first comes to shove, she's like taking Michael Myers down, motherfucker. Um, mm-hmm. And poor Allison, who's just kind of wandering around the woods screaming um, because she's stuck in a car with Satine going, tell me what she said. No, no, no. She's sc- she's screaming because of the mannequins. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. She's like, oh, my God, what are these mannequins? She's afraid like, of they're mannequins. the real They're the real villains of the movie. They are. They truly are. Mannequins are... are... I, I, I want to yeah, no. say we can, we, can, we can talk about 2018 a little bit longer. The time crunch I thought I was under is... Not really as as bad as oh, I thought. So okay. we we can spend a little bit more time because Halloween twenty eighteen was a a big phenomenon. Like it was. I mean, it wasn't it like the highest grossing R rated movie. I mean, all these little headlines come out like every weekend or whatever. But it made like superhero movie money, right? It yeah. made like. 80, 70 or eighty million its opening weekend, which mm. for a horror movie is incredible yes it's like smile at the moment it's just what 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 is going on (laughs) (laughs) well hey i've not seen smile yet well smile's great but it's also like it's this thing like i I think trauma is the key to this thing they need to re-release babadook that thing would make so much more money yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay so we've got a little bit more time i want to get into the podcasters Oh yeah, oh. hey Ryan Turek's definitive note. His uh, his take on this franchise. You I, know, want, I want. I like, want. This is his fingerprints on this. On this <laughs> yes. Would y'all have liked these characters better? Because I, I don't mind them, but like, would y'all have liked this part of the their subplot more if they were documentary filmmakers? I think yes. I would have. I, yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think it would have changed anything. They are they're very just obnoxious. people. Inter- they're just literally going around conducting interviews. It doesn't matter if they're doing it on camera or on a Zoom. Device. There is just some. There is something about podcasters having three thousand dollars to give to someone for an interview i call bullshit <laughs> yeah i just i just find it goofy like i i i, I would have more immediate buy-in if they were documentary filmmakers for some reason for some I, reason i just find i'm yeah. sorry hey do you not remember cereal that thing i was do a remember cereal. That, i don't think that woman 100 percent that no, woman 100 percent so. would have had three thousand dollars to bribe someone for an interview. I don't think Sarah Koenig has three thousand dollars to give to Lori Strode for twelve for like twelve words. No, I, I don't no, think no, so it's, either. Uh, what? Well, whoever, whoever's sponsoring her, whoever's running the podcast, like it's the money men. 
Same the people just, who were funding uh, Aaron and Dana. It's all the money men because they're uh, you know, other than Chapo Trap House. I don't think anybody who makes podcasts are like ex- very like well off. You know? I can tell you, we mostly lose money. Um, yeah. No. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is um, not that I actually get paid or do anything. This is just a hobby. So yeah, I, I pay. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> As Matt yeah. said on his recent episode, no, God if, damn it. <laughs> if Dana, if Dana and Aaron are like Joe Rogan's of the of the true crime podcast world, Maybe. they did not come I, off of that way. Yeah. I I I. Uh, there's a weird I like disconnect. To think they are. Yeah, there's a weird disconnect. Um, for some they're reason, they're in a town that they, they are talking to people that don't really listen to podcasts because they're only talking to old people. I'll tell you what would have but, fixed it, Mark. They needed a scene where they were signing some books. And Chet, the bringer of death from Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, came up to him and made a big deal about it. That that would fix it. That would fix it. No, it's a weird disconnect. Uh, uh, documentarians don't they make money either. I mean, this is purely like a passion. That's kind a good of point. Thing. And, and maybe to win an Oscar if you're a documentarian. For some reason, I buy them having $3,000. Podcasters, yeah. I'm like, where'd you get that money from? <laughs> I don't also, know why. I mean, I, and, and you're right, there is not that much difference between recording it on a mic for Zoom or a, for a podcast and filming it for a doc, for some random documentary. I can I, tell I, you this much. There isn't if that much difference. Trying, if you're trying to hear something someone says, you don't point the mic at their back, that's for sure. Yes, they are not. <laughs> Look, he is not the most particularly... Uh, th- I've got a feeling these guys are new at it, um, but there's that... I mean, the whole scene when he's holding the mask up to Michael and everyone's going insane around him. Like, he doesn't even know how to come back later, by the way. Yeah, yes, yes, that, oh, that does. Um, and just the whole, look at the mask, look at... And you just... Right, it, there's always a bit in the beginning of a David Gordon Green movie where I'm sitting there just going, okay, so what exactly am I watching now? And that was the moment in 2018. I'm like... Who are these guys? What 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 is this? Is the mask magic now? Which we learned. Yes, yes, it is. Um, but mm-hmm. it is this kind of okay, David. What are you doing? It's again. It's more that when David Gordon Green comes out of the movie a little bit more. But you're sitting there watching it. And you have to go. I need to take a moment. I need to figure out what this is <laughs> and why we're doing this. Um, but no, I think. I think they're meant to be obnoxious, and I think they do it well. They are kind of above the. I think they're meant to be above the material. They're coming into town thinking that they know what this thing is and then it gets unleashed and then you have Michael Myers being the tooth fairy and dropping teeth into a bathroom stall and killing them mm. absolutely brutally. I think um, cause he, because they have his mask. Purely just that. Mm. Michael was just like, okay, I just want... It's like Jason with, with his machete. Just give him it back and he'll be fine. Um, but mm. it is... Yeah, I, I, I find them an interesting element because... Because everyone is so on tone with the movie, and I think it's on purpose, but those guys are just seeming so above what they're doing. And so there is a little bit of a satisfaction, especially when the guy gets murdered. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I think you hate Aaron, Lindsay. I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, like, I like them. I like the performances. I just find their little B-plot a little silly. It is, yeah. Especially since it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, I mean, they, again, I don't want to talk too much about the opening of 2018 because it ties into, I do think it ties into a lot of stuff we find out and ends. And I feel like we'll be talking about it there. Oh, Oh, boy. boy. And, um, (laughs) but I will say, I feel like 
they show up. I feel like they are exposition devices. They show yes. up. So people who are not familiar with this franchise, they're just going to see a movie called Halloween on a Friday night. And they can get the story, uh, everything that happened in the first film and what's happened since then. And then they're just dead. And I actually, I kind of enjoyed the characters. Like they're, you know, they're annoying podcasters, but they're not like particularly egregious. And I would have loved to see them like stick around through the movie, like die a little later, but maybe learn a little something along the way. Mm. Like, hey, what we're doing is actually poison. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Or they, something like that. Something like that. Either that or it's like, hey, what we're doing is actually going to save the world. <laughs> well, my dad, my dad even, because my dad is not familiar with all the sequels. He's only mm-hmm. seen the original back in the day. And we watched all these sequels leading up to ends or, the, you know, this trilogy leading up to the new one. And even he was like, so how many people has Michael killed? And I was like, in all the movies? He goes, no, just in like, just in like these. And he kind of states what the... Uh, Vicky's boyfriend says in the movie where once you take the sequels out of it, the movie still is leaning on the legacy of them because it's like all of the drama is in the legacy, you know, like Mm. Michael feels as formidable as he does because, you know, like, well, shit, wasn't there that one where he stabs his thumb through a guy's head? That's insane. (laughs) You know, it's like, and so, my dad was like, so how many people has he killed in these movies? And I was like, like five, I guess, if you're only counting the first one. And he goes, oh. And so, so he's like, so my dad was like, they're treat they're Aaron and Dana are treating Michael Myers like he's, I don't know, John Wayne Gacy or something, which I guess Ed Gein only killed like two people, and yet he has this big you know, cult around his well, personality. Well, yeah, but Red Gain had a bag full of vaginas in his house and yeah. was very into arts and crafts with people's bodies. I mean, yeah, you killed two people, but when you go into right. that house, you're just like, this man dug up a few bodies. Like, there's a uh-huh. kind of a House of Horrors element to, um, to him. I, yeah. I guess there is, like, a... But, by the way, I will... Actually, I won't say I'll stand for Ed Gain, but I find him very fascinating. He, he is fascinating. And I guess, I guess that could there could be like a fascination with like a Michael Myers who had only killed five people or something. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, but you know, because of the drama of, you know, quote unquote, the babysitter murders, there was like a narrative to his murder. So I guess I could, I guess I could buy it. Well, no, I think it sort of goes back to when we get into kills where I sort of have a bigger issue with it. I think um, there's an element of the movie trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's like, yeah, we're going to acknowledge all the other movies and the legacy of this guy who has stuck a thumb through a through a forehead and through all the and other insane stuff he's done. Um, mm-hmm. But we're just going to say, but the, only the first movie is canon. Right. So I think it's doing that a little bit. like the And it's kind of saying, okay, there are some people coming in for a Friday night. They don't know what's happening, so we need the sort of the podcast to, to explain it. Everyone else has seen six, five, four, Rob Zombie, right. everything else. So, because that that um, so it's kind of doing it a little bit of both ways. It's like there's a section of the audience who knows how dangerous this guy is, and it's not because he killed five people on Halloween night forty years ago. It's because of all this other stuff that we know mm. of. So I think it's kind of trying to have it both ways, which I think. Yeah, I mean, when I look at Michael Myers, I'm most not thinking of that one night in Halloween. I'm thinking of all the other movies that I've seen um, leading right. up to this point. So 
yeah, I think it's kind of nailing into that threat and that legacy as well as the podcasters being interested in this. I mean, because true crime always depends on a narrative. You have to have mm. a really good narrative, and Michael Myers has an amazing narrative. He killed his sister when he was six, and he came back and he killed more people. Thing and so there's this house that matters, um, as we'll get into kills. Um, and there's also this element of um, who is this guy? I mean, why does this guy have this thing with Halloween? What is with him? And that amazing speech Loomis gives in one. He had black eyes. He had the de the devil's eyes. I mean, that is one of the most amazing monologues in film history. Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely, yeah. So I think it's kind of doing a lot of things. As w when you said Force Awakens, I'm like, yeah, because this is making you remember why you love Halloween and not just the first one, all the Halloweens. Yeah, mm. I, uh, I so. There is, I, I like a lot about, there is a lot I like about this movie, but I do have to say it's easily my least favorite of the three. And I think a lot of that has to do with the humor. The humor in this one bothers me more than it does. I mean, there's really not a lot in ends and there's some in kills, but I actually think it kind of works for the most part in kills. Big the, John. The humor, the humor in, in 2018, just overall, it just takes... I don't know why it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. It works for me better in this one than it does in Kills, weirdly. But uh, you don't like Toby Huss getting um, peanut butter on his penis. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, I, it's a like, I mean, in in and of itself, the little lines are okay, but it it almost makes me feel like I, I don't know because it wouldn't bother me in another movie, but it makes like Ray all all Toby Huss says are like little jokes, and so I don't take him seriously at all. And then, and it, it's almost the kind of, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, well, David Gordon Green kind of wants us to take this more seriously than like a Friday the 13th sequel. But Toby Huss is just like a goofy little suburban dad who's like completely, you know, out of his element in any, in any situation. But He's like is, a sitcom dad. He is, but know? this is the, but this is the man that Judy Gray or Karen would marry. She doesn't want, she wants the sitcom husband. That's what she's. I, kind of looking for i she guess wants, but she wants the perfect life in the perfect house that has no mm. trauma because she grew up with her mother projecting all the stuff onto her that's the exact kind of guy that she's going to go for she's not going to go mm. for um to, for anything else i mean she loves him and she cares about him but i think that's the yeah he's just playing a yo-yo in the house before he dies right that is, there, that is the guy she wants <laughs> there are more egregious examples that like ruin the ruined the tone of certain scenes for me it's like uh i mean i don't really care about the cops being goofy i love the cops in halloween five but like uh mark and i have talked about this at length i know i know mark feels differently about when when vicky is getting killed and julian's just like nope and like runs down the stairs <laughs> i love like, that i love that kid so much i'm just sitting here see i i kind of hate julian because i'm like Tell like vicky and you're just like making jokes while she's getting stabbed and uh that one and the the other big one for me is like well i didn't like it for the longest time but it became such a joke like i joked about it so much that now i love it it's the entire scene with the ballerina kid lumpy the whole the whole scene it's like David Gordon Green was like, just ad lib this this whole th throw the script out the window, just ad lib the whole thing, and not a single detail about what is happening makes any sense because no. they were just like 
given free reign. It it really Makes... doesn't. It feels that one. I will agree. Feels off watching it because he does this. David Gordon Green will do this sort of weird thing when he's trying to be progressive, but it's always about the old man being surprisingly more progressive than you think he's going to be. Like his kid would rather go dance because dancing is my thing now and i'm just like what what and he goes oh okay you don't want to shoot no i like shooting i just yeah it, it, it's a it's a weird moment <laughs> well it's it's so it, i mean it's weird on every conceivable level because it's just like it, number one his dad's like 80 years old yes number two it's the middle of the week and he took him out of school to go hunting like at 10 o'clock it's, it's at a night? week what? it's a weeknight and <laughs> yeah. then the for, the kid's name is lumpy which is <laughs> not like i read the novelization so clearly in the script, the kid's name is Kevin, but in, in the scene, the dad <laughs> calls him Lumpy. The kid is like a, the, the kid being a ballerina is like the least weird part of the whole oh, no, <laughs> of the just, whole thing. Just the way the exchanges work and how he tends to do that. Like he likes to swap things like um, Allison and Cameron dressing up as Bonnie and Clyde, but swapping the, the outfits. Mm -hmm. It's always that kind of thing, which I love. I mean, Cameron walking around as Bonnie, I think is amazing um especially That's when they're just having progressive yes it's yeah it's progressive and when um oscar kisses both of them and uh, he goes oh you got your cha dirty chapstick all over me he goes yes that is my gift to you i love mm. actually as as much as oscar's a douche i oh, do know you oscar. like oscar i like oscar i don't know why he's <laughs> pathetic <laughs> oscar is the entire I'm... reason oscar is the entire reason that this movie was once called the first me too slasher by the way <laughs> right yeah. Remember? Because he was he's like coming on to her. He's coming on and, to her and um, she's just like, no. She's like, no. I, yeah. I, she's like, no, I don't want this. And Michael Myers like immediately kills him. So yes. it, I, I remember Ryan Turek on Shockwaves being like, well, this is like ushering a new, in a new wave of like, these are the new rules to abide by. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, so we're, we're like legitimately rooting for Michael Myers now because he's killing like incels. It's exactly. <laughs> no, because he is kind of an incel. I mean, just the way he kind of put, keeps putting himself on. I mean, I love the line, that is my gift to you. It's a very down in, uh, the guy who wrote uh, in Eastbound and Down. Um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride Danny kind McBride. of line. You can tell, I think he might have written, he might not have, but it feels like a M line. But he is a sleaze. He is the worst. I think he just plays it really well. And like most incels, he comes off more pathetic than he does anything certainly else. Certainly pathetic. Very pathetic. He's certainly pathetic. That I just want to pat him on the head. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love uh, Allison's reaction of like, oh, no, no, just because I don't want to be with Cameron doesn't mean I want to be with you. That is not how mm -hmm. it, it works. I'm leaving. You can deal with your own shit. I love that reaction because... In most movies, it's like a very uncomfortable, oh, now she's with him? No, and it kind of is playing on that. What a nice guy in the 80s was, or in the 70s always was. It was Oscar. It was a sleaze. I mean, I remember watching Encino mm. Man, um, or California Man, as it was named outside of America. Because um, <laughs> no one knew what, Man. yeah, because no one knew what Encino was. <laughs> it's like, uh -huh. um, and you're watching, um, oh, shoot, what's his name? Um, uh, Sam from Lord of the Rings being the nice guy but being the worst man possibly he is toxic he is right. sleazy he is possessive you want her to end up with um the deloise kid i can't remember which one it is um and yeah and i'm like oh my god paulie shaw is like the best thing in this movie because he is such a raging dick and he's kind of that character so yes the fact he's getting murdered is kind of like okay these are the new rules to abide by i like these slasher rules 
because I like Alison standing up for herself and going, I'm not putting up with this shit. But at the same time, Oscar is so pathetic and so tiny. I just want to pat him on the head and go. Well, and Oscar gets learn. the You'll great. You'll learn. <laughs> to, to what you're saying, Lindsay, Oscar gets the great line that it's heavy handed, but I, I kind of love lines like this where the screenwriter's like, eh, eh? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. But he says, he, he's like looking at Michael and he says, have you ever really liked a girl and you just couldn't have her? Yeah. Which is possessive. Yes. And it's like, oh yeah, that's the whole Michael thing. Yeah, yes. Yes. Like I mean, there's another very, that kind of line coming up in uh, Ends, which we will, we will talk about, which he says multiple times, by the way. I'm like, stop saying it. Okay, we get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else you all want to say about um, Halloween H2O before we move on to um, Kills? Yeah, I Let feel bad. I, I, uh, well, yeah. yeah, I feel bad because I covered a lot of ground. I even invoked Mark's name, and then I talked over him. Didn't let him say anything. Do you want to say anything about the to... humor or anything? I, I like it. That's all I gotta say, baby. Yeah, I like I Julian. Mean... I like the Bon Me cops. <laughs> the Bon Me cops, I find a bit weird because I'm just like, that's the whole conversation say, is about what a Bon Me is. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a shame because this this movie made almost as much. But I mean, like. This movie made the second most money for a horror movie since like it in 2017. And yet it's the one I have the least amount of stuff to say about. Well, no, because everything I want to say about it is actually going to come back in kills and ends, especially oh, with Sartine. Okay. So okay. I'm just going to say, so I will be, I mean, I will say this is actually my favorite of the franchise because it is more classically made. I don't know why. I think maybe with time ends may become my favorite, but at the moment it is, yeah, it is uh, 2018 still my favorite just because of these moments, these kills, these kind of um, starting just like going mental. <laughs> so, oh, um, dude. Sartain, I can't believe that I never thought, like, I can't believe I was watching this movie and didn't think he was going to become a bad guy because, like, the guy, Haluk, uh, I, I forget his last name, but, like, a amazing performance like i love i legitimately love him in this movie but he's one of these actors who i'm like you exude like evil like he's just like he's dr evil oh, he might as well just be putting his little finger up to his mouth and going one billion dollars i mean like one of the first amazing. lines he's like he's like michael there are some people here to see you and i'm like i'm like Ooh, I'm getting chills from this guy. <laughs> this guy's amazing. But yeah, I will get into more with Sartine when we get into the other the movies. So you guys uh, good to go on to uh, Kills? I'll say one more thing. Yeah. You know, because I do think David Gordon Green is a, like, he's great at creating creepy, occasionally scary sequences. I'll just point out a couple of moments that I think yes. are mm. really creepy and kind of like, I don't know, they show that he's a good horror filmmaker and there are a lot of great moments in this movie of michael just kind of lingering in the background yes. or like in the garden kind of like <laughs> before, before oscar the garden yes the motion light scene is an incredible set piece mm. just like slowly building up the tension before the big jump scare and the big death and it's just oh my god i love the stalker elements of halloween and this movie just like like the like everything leading up to the kills in the original film, where it's just Michael stalking them in suburbia in broad daylight, hanging out outside of school, driving by them. Just this movie has a lot of great moments like that. Or All at this... the um Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say at the gas station, there are a lot of shots of him in the background. Like he's walking by in the background while Aaron's gassing up the van. He's like murdering that mechanic kind of out of focus while uh 
what's her name? Dana's trying to find the bathroom. And mm. it's just, oh, it's like, he's just good at that stuff. Like, if he just wanted to make it, yeah, like, back then, yeah, he just wants to make a simple slasher movie that's not trying to say anything. He'd do a great job. Yeah, he really, really would. I mean, I still love the scene when he kills that poor woman with the hammer, and then you hear the baby cry, and mm -hmm. you've already seen them kill a kid, Lumpy, poor Lumpy, um, very brutally. So you're just like, oh, no, is this a movie where he kills a baby? No, and he doesn't. <laughs> but there's that moment where you think of, like, oh, shit, I'm not entirely sure what the rules are here anymore. <laughs> yeah. yes. I uh, Two things to that point. One, my favorite one of these little eerie, uh, eerie sequences is everything at Julian's house before the 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 closet scare mm. like when oh, Vicky is just yes. walking around downstairs and you see the linens on the on the clotheslines mm. and you're looking for Michael I think that stuff is so eerie I'm um, still look I've seen this movie like countless times and I'm still looking for him every time I watch it yeah mm -hmm. and then oh I was gonna say I think what's evident from this first movie is this is my favorite these three movies this is my favorite portrayal of the fourth element, which I forgot to bring up mm. whenever I said Loomis, Michael, and Laurie. The fourth element for me is Haddonfield. And this is my favorite portrayal of Haddonfield, these three movies. This feels like a town. It feels like a community. It feels, I mean, not completely realistic, especially in these first two movies. But, uh, man, I just, I love the the vibe of, like, being in this community i love seeing hawkins playing on the on the arcade machine or on uh, oh will Patton, mvp of the series i love him so much <laughs> he might never get he's never gonna series yeah. yeah and he's never gonna capture that guy's pinball score so he i don't isn't. know why he's trying he's, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, giving gonna, it a go <laughs> i was gonna bring that up but i kind of wanted to save the haddonfield talk I'm for sorry. kills when it really i mean no no yeah. Well, no, this I think you, that's what that movie's that's, about. Well, no, this, this whole series, this, about. Oh, yeah. this whole series is about Haddonfield. It, I mean, Laurie mm -hmm. and Michael are kind of incidental. It is really about Haddonfield, which mm -hmm. I love. And so, with that, we might as well get into the movie that really gets into the town because Evil will die tonight. <laughs> oh, Evil's gonna die tonight. Evil's gonna die tonight. Um, it's so good. Okay, so I'm. Hated. But is love gonna yeah. live today? <laughs> It will, it will and ends. It will and ends. Um, okay, so, <sighs> so I think, I believe, Hayden, you had the trailer for Halloween Kills? I did, and I I mused over this for weeks. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to pick. And then it came, it was actually pretty easy once I stopped thinking about it. So, okay. If I had my way, I would sneak into the projection booth, whip up a little magic and cheat like Daniel did when we did Close Encounters <laughs> and Fantasia. If I had my way, I would cobble together a bunch of scenes from uh, giant monster attacks movies set to the song Titus Andronicus by the punk band Titus Andronicus. <laughs> because... <laughs> that song is all about it because it's like an anthem for like death and dying mm. like the chorus is literally just your life is over being screamed at you over and over again but if i'm not going to cheat my trailer for halloween kills is the original uh, the one from the 1950s the blob with steve mcqueen dave 
Doc Hallen's been killed. Doc Hallen? What happened? It's over at his place. You gotta come now. Now, wait a minute, Steve. Tell us what happened. Well, I'm trying to tell you. Now, this thing had killed the Doc. Well, what was it? Stop with it, kid. Well, it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a mass that keeps getting bigger and bigger. It... Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Two teenagers see it first, like a falling star from outer space. Boy, that was close. Hey, come on, I want to see if I can find it. Oh, no. Stephen McQueen, I believe he's uh, Oh, yes, is. Stephen McQueen. Oh. Because while I don't love this movie... Uh, while I don't love The Blob, uh, mm. the original The Blob, to me, the way into Halloween Kills is just thinking about it this way. Mm. So all three of these movies are very obsessed with a Halloween tradition. Uh, I, by the way, I'm just going to be reiterating a bunch of stuff that I've written on Letterboxd. So if, yeah. feel free to roll your eyes if you've already read read me uh, saying this before. But like He's these saying movies, that for my benefit. I am. I am, Mark. <laughs> These movies are like very concerned with the Halloween oral tradition of like telling stories and urban legends and mm. campfire stories and whatnot. And like Halloween Kills is the monster run amok movie. Like yes. this is a this is a giant monster rampaging through town movie. That's what it is to me. But so with like the mob, yeah. Yeah, the blob, the shape. He's mm. just running around killing everybody. And like you 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 hear a scream in the middle of the night, you're like, what the hell's going on there? Your neighbor runs by and is like Oh, there's like a there's like a little guy over there like killing everybody. You know, it's just like that is the vibe of this movie to me. I think if more people could get on board with that, they might be open to enjoying the wanton carnage that is Halloween Kills. I love that idea for a trailer. I haven't actually I actually don't think I've actually seen the original blob. Uh, I always remember It's kind um, of boring. Yeah, I always remember being <laughs> really freaked out because it play they show a clip of it in Greece. Um, oh, and I remember, yeah. yeah, and I remember that moment when I think um, Sandy and Danny are in the in the car watching it. That always used to freak me out mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kid. But yeah, I, I still need to see the original. I love the re- I've seen the remake, but I really need to get onto it and see the original. It's cool. It's like kind of I've talked about it on a podcast mm-hmm. before, but I remember when it got the Criterion release, I was like, it's like damn. I, I mean, Criterion released this, and then I checked it out. And it's, I mean, it's funny. Like it's, it's one of those movies that you can't help but be like, man, if you cannot transport yourself back to the 1950s, this just does not play the same way. Cause it's so campy and corny. You're like, how did people take this seriously? But I mean, it's made perfectly for a drive-in movie and I guess it is maybe the best of its kind somehow for some reason. So yeah, it's corny fun, but it's kind of boring. Yeah. Overall. Mark, have you seen the original? I started it once. I got a little too bored. I yeah. stopped it. Fair enough. But there's but like I... a whole 15 minute scene where like a cop comes up to him and he's like, you kids shouldn't be drag racing. And it's clearly a There's so many dialogue scenes where they are talking about absolutely nothing that matters. And it's like, oh, these were the parts where you, it's like, okay, yeah, turn over to your girlfriend, start making out. And then, cause you do not have to pay attention to this at all. Yeah. Oh. It's like they want you to hate the movie if you don't have anyone to make out with. 
Uh, it's one of those ones that move. Okay. Which is like the blob is very slow moving like the mob in, in the hospital. So this this actually is really perfect. <laughs> okay. So with that, we are going to be getting in to Halloween Kills. No, no, no. grandmother was right the boogeyman was real it's over we can't hurt anyone ever again no one told you told me what somebody in there michael myers is alive stop you had a knife in your stomach you and allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. Now, I know I don't like this, love this movie as much as you two do, so I'm probably gonna let you guys take the um, floor in this for the most part. Well, um, you know what, I wanna go, go ahead and ask you a question, Lindsay, mm. because a lot of the discourse around this movie kind of surrounds the character of Tommy Doyle, mm. and Hayden and I love this character. And I read your review the other <laughs> night, and you said Tommy Doyle is the real villain of Halloween Kills. And I love you, Lindsay, but in good faith, I could not bring myself to like that review. <laughs> I got a word from Hayden. <laughs> I want to know exactly, because I want to understand what people's problem with this character is. And I feel like if I can just hear you explain what your problem with this character is, maybe I can start to understand what everyone's problem with them is. Ah, uh, I think, no, I, okay. <laughs> I think Tommy Doyle has blood on his hands that night. I think he is the one that keeps getting the crowd riled up. I mean, oh, he, abs he absolutely does. He is, I mean, yeah. this series is not necessarily a, as a, as much as about Michael going around killing people as it is people's reaction to Michael. And it kind of goes into this thing where he's already riled up himself because it's Halloween. He has this tradition of going to have slam poetry every Halloween at the bar, which, which good for him. I would, I would kill to be perfect. at that bar, dude. That bar is amazing. <laughs> literally, like, like it's literally wearing a sweater and getting up on stage and telling a spooky story about Michael Myers. Yeah. I hope that's my future. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's my that's future. Tommy it, Doyle, it is, that's it is Tommy very... Doyle's, uh, that's his free bird. It's his, like it is his free bird. Every year at that bar, they're <laughs> yeah. like, play free bird. And Tommy Doyle goes up there and tells his Halloween story. Yes. And, but as soon as people come in and go, there's been murders, there's, you know, this Michael Myers guy might be still on the loose. There's been this kind of um, crash where there's, you've got this other poor guy who had the umbrella at, at, in, um, in 2018 running around um we need to capture him the first thing he does is grab his bat called old huckleberry and go michael myers is going to go nighty night um says look him in the eye look him in the it's eye night 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 it's amazing night, night. Night, night. um it is 
Yeah, so I think he's already riled up and he gets everyone else riled up to go and oh, yeah. go for Michael. They get killed really quickly again in the hospital. <laughs> Everyone's angry. He goes in, starts yelling, Evil is evil's gonna die tonight. <laughs> evil's gonna die tonight. Evil's gonna die tonight. Yeah, yeah. And then a poor guy <laughs> jumps off who is is a mentally ill man who needs who is probably very dodgy and has a thing for untied shoelaces. He mm. fixates on those on those on those, de- on whatever those details. Sartin <laughs> says about him in, in, in eighteen, um, and he falls to his death. He is this constant kind of mouthpiece for the crowd, and he is getting he is actually killing as many people as Michael is killing in this movie. So yeah, I think no, nah, if- no, he kills he kills <laughs> Tavoli. That's it, and we don't know why Tavoli could have been. He could have he could have done some bad stuff. To he could have done some bad stuff. He it's, is in a know. maximum security ward. <laughs> Still, I'm just saying that Tommy Doyle has blood on his hands that night. If he hadn't, if he hadn't been screaming, "Evil's gonna die tonight!" Evil's die tonight. Yeah, there may have I not get... been the body count that there would have been in kills, which is high. And I admit, the nurse shooting herself in the head is hilarious to me. I'm not gonna lie. That's but... funny. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, you know what? I get it. I get everything you're saying, Lindsay. And I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. The thing is, I feel like a lot of people describe this as a problem of the movie, when I, really, I think it's literally the point the movie is trying to make is oh, that yeah. it's making things worse by just driving and driving everyone into an out of control mob rage. I don't think that is the problem with the movie. That's actually an element I like about it. The things I have a problem with is the general way the hospital scenes cut. That's my biggest problem with with it. Um, and these kind of slow motion elements with these kind of very kind of slow moving mob and then just uh, Laurie in a bed, goddamn bed again, complaining. Um, I'm just like- Well, those I'm- are the scenes where you're supposed to turn to your girlfriend or boyfriend and start making out. Exactly. You know? I had no- See, my boyfriend was not home and I had no one to make out with and he would not watch <laughs> Halloween Kills to begin with. So I'm sitting there going, I have no one to make out with and I want- <laughs> Why won't Jamie Lee Curtis or Will Patton start making out right now? That is my problem. <laughs> I, okay, I do think we should keep talking about Tommy for a little bit because we will talk about the He's movie He's a fascinating overall, character. Tommy is an element that, okay, so Lindsay, you're, you're not here in the States. I've seen a lot of these little letterbox reviews from people here in the States who are like, Tommy Doyle is MAGA. Tommy Doyle is a Trumper. I've got really bad news for those people. Probably everybody in Haddonfield, Illinois, <laughs> voted for Donald Trump. I, yeah. I, I hate to say it. Laurie but probably a lot of characters you like Trump. in this movie. Yeah. yeah, probably a lot of characters you like in this movie. Probably did, unfortunately. But for me, I, it's like, I'm not about to defend him on that low. I have literally no opinion on him being a Trumper. I, you know, whatever. Like, I... That's not even part of this movie. It's well, just you like, know. I do want to point. I do want to point out quickly. I think Hayden is the one that pointed this out to me. He's basically <laughs> Poe Dameron in the Last Jedi. <laughs> I did not we're, point this out. Making, I have no idea. Who, who said you have. You are one hundred percent the one that mentioned this. How he's basically like the guy. He's getting riled up about everything that's going on, but oh, everything that he does ends up making wrong. things worse. Yes. And then he and he learns the errors of his ways, which. Uh, too Tommy late. Doyle kind of does too, but a little too late. A little too late. Well, okay. That's all quick. I got to say. I just thought that was a great comparison. But for well, some reason, you, people I... are like, Ryan Johnson did it great. And uh, David Gordon Green. 
uh, he sucks. I want him dead. <laughs> well, I want to say two things. Number one, he has the greatest line out of any movie when he screams in front of a crowd, the boogeyman is at large. That's a yes. great line. Um, and then the other thing is like, I've talked about this to Mark. I mean, I've talked about all this stuff to mm. Mark. We have been talking about Halloween Kills we can write. We can transcribe out. a. We can transcribe a book out of the conversations we've had about Halloween Kills. We could transcribe the Please Song of shit. Ice and Fire, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire series. Like it's that we have talked about it that much. But I'm like, okay, so a lot of people like making fun of Tommy Doyle, but like to me, his story is so tragic because like he's the epitome of a theme I really like in this movie where it's like, there are no heroes. If you try and be the hero, you're going to die very messily and very unceremoniously. It's like a very depressing <laughs> theme for this movie to have. But also like, if you think about our, our mutual friend brought this up and mm. said explicitly, if you think about his trajectory from the original movie, this is his trauma. Like he saw his babysitter almost murdered in front of him. She became his absolute hero. You see the car he's driving. He's a fucking loser, dude. He has like, he probably has a dead end job and is dead in town. He has never amounted to anything. And all he has thought about, he's been consumed with his fear from, uh, from since the time he was a kid. And he was like, this is my moment to protect the person who protected me as a child. And then what happens to him is like, so sad to me it, i no, think this movie's very sad no this is a very sad movie i just wish the tone kind of matched the sadness which i think it does better in ends but that is me though i will okay. say casting anthony um michael hall i always get him mixed up with the other anthony three barrel dexter guy so am i getting this right um yes, anthony yes. michael hall yeah. is genius because this is kind of, I guess, I have heard this before, probably uh, uh, Rob and Patrick on their shows, Chainsaws and Claws. Um, this is kind of the 80s toned um, in the series. And having him as kind of this guy who played the, the quote-unquote nerd in every 80s movie you can possibly imagine. Again, going back to the Oscar character, he played that a lot. Um, and then in community, he comes back and he's a way bigger guy. Like he's kind of filled out, grown out. He's got shoulders out to friggin' meter, meter apart. Now he's not this kind of little kid that he was in the eighties. And he plays the bully in community in this amazing episode where they're pretty much doing animal house. Um, mm. oh and yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. And that is kind of the combination of Tommy Doyle to me. He's this character from community. Who's kind of a pathetic guy. Who's trying to act bigger than he is from the kid who used to get bullied. Mm -hmm. um, and now he's trying to take all that rage and all that thing out on Michael, because you're right. This is a man whose hero is Laurie Strode, who in this alliteration should not be your hero because I think she is incredibly flawed and incredibly, which makes her an interesting character. But I think this emulation of Laurie is dangerous and he thinks he can take on Michael. And not only that, he gets the whole town behind him with their pitchforks and torches. <clears throat> And then mm. people die. That is the element. When I say, I think he is the true villain. And I think that's what makes this movie interesting. If it didn't have him, I would be stuck watching this kind of 22 short stories of Springfield kind of thing, wondering how it all fits together. <laughs> um, and yes, you give me big John and little John and I'm, and I'm very happy. But I think this movie does meander a little bit because I think 
David Gordon Green has a lot of ideas. Halloween Halloween was a hit, so he got a little bit more free reign, and he just wanted to go, I'm just going to put everything in there, and you're watching it, and you're like, no, this is 22 short stories of Springfield. This is what this movie is. <laughs> you're describing well, I, it very well. I think the difference is that I just don't mind that. Like, yeah. I really like that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I think it helps. It really helps with the – or. I love movies like that because they they move a lot faster. This movie lo- moves like a freight train. Ex- yeah. And that's partially because of like there's always something going on, but also because it's like you're constantly jumping between so many different characters and elements in this movie that you don't really have time to catch your breath. Mm. And I feel like that helps make it feel like it moves a lot faster. Every time I watch this movie, like I am shocked that like the showdown with Michael in the park doesn't happen to like 50 minutes into the movie. And it feels mm. like it's only like 20 or 30 mm. minutes. And that's how I'm always shocked by how quickly we get there. I was actually kind of surprised how, cause yet I kind of always feel like I'm stuck in the hospital. So I think those scenes move slowly, but everything else moves really quickly. Um, so I was kind of surprised and looked up and I went, Oh my God, we're already at the part where they're at the house and the town is going to surround Michael and, and really beat the pummel out of him, which is essentially powering him up. They they made a mistake. This this is just going to make him stronger, shooting him and and knocking him down. I was like, oh shit, we're here already. But yeah, I think I think it's a very wildly uneven movie. But when this movie hits, it hits. I mean, when they go, is it actually in Michael Myers' old house after he killed the Johns, and that's where Cameron gets killed and his dad. Yes. 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 In Michael's house. Yeah, Michael's house. I love that scene. It is so <clears throat> brutal. It is just, I mean, the way he kills Cameron, I'm like, oh, you were an absolute asshat, but I'm not entirely sure you deserve to die like that. Yikes. Remember, <laughs> remember when the first one came out and everyone collectively was like, how can they let him live? What the fuck? Oh. And then like, and then it <laughs> kills, he me. does nothing but redeem himself. And, he- and then at the end, David Gordon Green's like, Hey, remember when you wanted this guy to die really, really badly? <laughs> and then is. he gives you exactly what you wanted. But at this time, you're like, no, please, no, Cameron. Yeah. I All mean, the boy yeah, did please. was throw her phone and cheese. Oh, he did kiss the sexy cat, like, um, and then throw her phone and yeah, cheese, which. That's true. Yeah. Um, he was being a douche nozzle, nozzle. Um, you're, he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite like that. <laughs> that's, I mean, I'm Michael joking. is, yeah, Michael is going for that. Like, he is. Michael is getting creative in this movie. I mean, that well, scene with the married couple in the beginning, like when he's oh, just... Heartbreaking. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. And he gets the, the light bulb, shoves it in that woman's neck. But then he's oh. just like sticking knives in her husband. And he's just looking at it going, okay, I'm going to put a knife here. Like it's some sort of artwork. It's disturbing as all hell. One of our like, friends thought he was... Wanna... One of our friends thought he was testing out knives. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> testing out which knife is best yes it could have been that but it looked like he was making an art piece just the way he was just deciding where to put the knife that was that that is actually really chilling mark what were you gonna say i'm sorry so, i keep cutting mark i don't off. i mean i don't want to jump ahead uh too much but i think it's only more cruel that she ends up being alive after that yeah. for the next movie yeah Ooh, the reveal of that having to hit- that was like a gut punch. That was. I was like, yeah. oh, that poor woman. She's now having to live with everything that happened that night. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, a, it cuts to a <sighs> sudden close-up. 
Like you're just, mm -hmm. this woman's just yelling at Lori and then all of a sudden you get a sudden close up of Sandra, this character, and you're like, oh my God. Because I like Sandra. She was cool. Mm. All she was trying to do was trying not to get her husband to fly a drone in the house. <laughs> and she was just showing a bunch of podcasters around a graveyard. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. I, okay, so here's the thing. Okay, well, we need to come back to that because there is so, this is what, this is the community thing I was talking about. Mm. All these little characters. In the background pop all, up like, and yeah. Yeah, these little names that pop up in this movie, they they reappear. We see them later, even when you don't realize all this mm. kind of stuff. But but um but what I was gonna say is I don't think we should get too far ahead. We'll, we should start at the beginning because the last time Mark and I talked about this, I think we were both drunk on Matt's podcast. And so I don't know if I properly put into words just the like elation mark and i both felt when we saw halloween kill we didn't see it together mm. but mark can you can you detail d describe in not in great detail but like the beginning of this movie and how much it rocks all right so picture this you're sitting down you've been waiting two years should have been or three years should have been two covid damn it mm. you've been waiting three years to see the continuation of halloween 2018 you're sitting down in a darkened theater the universal logo pops up and immediately oh. you are hit with this ominous john carpenter cody carpenter daniel davies synth music mm. just working its way into your bones chilling your blood but also getting your adrenaline pumping and then you see cameron walking down the street uh, before, no, before you before you see him walking, isn't it the house fire? Do you hear, Mark? Oh no, you hear? Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, well, uh, you hear a little bit of dialogue from the 2018 film. You hear a character by the name of Officer Frank Hawkins, portrayed by future Academy Award nominee Will Patton, saying, "Doctor, get back! I'm still gonna blow this motherfucker's brains out," and then getting stabbed, and. Because Hayden and I love these characters, including the one that no one else loves, we are already thrilled. Well, I because... think Lindsay's a fan. I think Lindsay's a fan too. Okay, Lynn, yeah. I, I don't want to write everyone off, but for the longest time, it's like a character that people would only make fun of. These but two yeah. characters that I thought were just dead and gone, like, I never thought, well, for some reason, I never thought Will Patton he, was coming back. I forgot that he got run over by Sartain. The fact that he survived yes. is insane. It's amazing. <laughs> like, how did you survive this? <laughs> it's a, I remember in a, in a in a Ask Me Anything, David Gordon Green. Somebody was like, "Oh, we love we love uh, we love Will Patton. I would I would have loved to have seen him come back." And I remember seeing David Gordon Green saying, "Oh, you would, would you?" Mm. And I was just like. That plan to see that maybe, maybe, maybe if they yeah. make the sequel, he'll come back. But I don't think he was listed in the cast whenever they announced it. Mm. And so, like, when I heard this, oh, I was over the moon. I'm sorry. It, Mark, continue. Mm. Sorry. I I, no, I, I I got distracted, too. But, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to describe it quickly. Okay. You get that. And then we cut. To, we uh, pan down or tilt down, and we see... Halloween decorations, we see kind of empty streets of Haddonfield. And then we see Cameron, our favorite character, just walking down the street, trying to get a hold of Oscar. He doesn't know he's dead. Mm. And who does he see? Officer Hawkins just laying down in the street. And he runs over, 
trying to save him. Try, well, he doesn't know if he's dead or not. And then, bam, Hawkins just bursts back to life, mm. and he's uh, blood's pouring out of his jugular, and he's mm. like, I'm going to get you some help. And immediately redeeming himself, mm. by the way. After we thought this guy was such a total douche, ass, whole whatever. Mm. I wanted to think of the worst thing to call him. Uh, he... Uh, he redeems himself by Satan by trying to save the life of a character, like a great character. And then Hawkins uh, jolts back to life. And he's like, just, uh, he's kind of just muttering incoherently. And then he just starts saying, he needs to die. Yes. He needs to die. And then he says, he needs to die. Zoom in. And I'm the one that's going to get him. Oh, God. And then it was so good. Hugh the thing is, also had this movie. You have those amazing things, and all I can hear in voiceover, like, and he did not like it. <laughs> but but that's the great oh, okay. theme of the movie: is everybody thinks that they're the hero of the story, and yeah. they're not. You know, it's so good. <laughs> okay, oh, sorry, and sorry. You, th- you think? Yeah, you think I'm done? No, I'm not. We haven't even gotten started yet. Oh, you in oh, the oh, original oh. 1978 that shape hunts lore or? Uh, uh, the shape I forget what the name of the track is, but mm. it's like one of the most well-known Dumb. tracks from Halloween Dumb. after the theme. Mm. Yeah, oh, and you've Dumb. got yeah young. You've got young Hawkins chasing after Michael in the aftermath of him being shot six or seven times. Mm. Six in this one. Halloween two doesn't exist, even though it kind of does. Yeah, I and, had a friend who asked me about that. I'm like going that flashback. I'm like. Well, it has nothing to do with two because technically two never happened. It's the new two. And she just looked at me and went, I can't do this movie. So I'm like, I don't blame you. <laughs> so you're chasing, yeah, he's chasing after Michael, loses him. And you know what? I'm going to let Hayden explain this part because this is, Hay- this is Hayden's boy right here. <laughs> already, I'm like, already, I'm like, we're getting a flashback. What? And so I promise this will not be a, a like second by second uh, breakdown of, of Halloween Kills. But but I like Thomas Mann as an actor. I liked, uh, you know, I like the little indie movies I've seen him in and whatnot. And so I was like, oh, Thomas Mann playing young Frank. I mean, this is going to be bigger than one little cameo. I mean, mm. Thomas Mann, he's not Brad Pitt, but I've certainly, you know, he's been in a lot of stuff. So I was like, this is going to be a big sequence. And then out of nowhere... I hear a voice from off screen tell ordering people to to go here and do that thing or whatever. And then we get a big close up of one of my boys, like my favorite person in independent cinema right now, just Jim Cummings. I know as (laughs) big. I had no idea he was going to be in this. And I stood up at the screening I was at and I went, what? And my buddy (laughs) Trevon and my other buddy, Houston, they don't know who Jim Cummings is. Mm. They were just like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is like if, this is like if Brad Pitt just popped up and you didn't know, like for me, I was like, this is so, oh, this is so good. It just kept delivering over and over again. And then the further you get into the flashback, you get that Loomis. And when, remember when everybody thought the Loomis was CGI for the longest time? Yes. And they were like, that was such bad CGI. I was like, and, like and, no, it was the actual, like, it wasn't, there wasn't, CGI. they actually used footage from <laughs> that was actual Loomis. <laughs> like when you hear, when you hear, Officer Hawkins, what happened to you? I was just like, oh God, it's just, this movie just pays out like a slot machine in the first 
15 minutes. It's just, I can't describe how happy the whole movie makes me feel. I will say this is the movie out of the whole trilogy that has the best cast. And it's because of, man, it is because of Jim Cummings. It is because of um, Anthony Michael Hall, um, Mm -hmm. my boy um, Patton. um, Mm -hmm. It is Robert Longstreet pops up. Um, Robert Longstreet is so good. So good in this. I mean, no one can do sad, drunken man quite like Robert Longstreet. I will see you at the finish line, buddy. Yes. Everyone is an MVP in this movie. Mm. Yeah, everybody's everybody's batting 100. Yeah. Everyone. I, I mean, the guys who play Big John and Little John. I mean, yeah, this cast is incredible. And then you get Judy Greer giving the most amazing... I love her performance in this so much. So when the end happens, I am very angry <laughs> i get it i totally get it but i'm just like mm. you could have could glory and i could have just had more judy grant like in <laughs> trying to deal with her daughter dating a um a psychopath in in ends but it is would you have ever sorry can yeah. you like think back before we had these movies can you imagine like someone a halloween fan out there just saying god i hope we get a halloween movie someday and they kill off Jamie Lee Curtis so we can follow Judy Greer around? <laughs> no, you told me that before. I, I, for the record, I, for I the record, Lindsay, you. I agree with you. I love Laurie, but Karen is oh, such Karen. a great character, and I I would be perfectly fine following her and only her through a movie. But again, everyone in this movie is an MVP. I will say Jamie Lee Curtis, sadly, is not because um, I, I just don't think she's given anything to do because there's so much more happening. This is I like, like when she says one, it makes is, the pain go away. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she does have one of those moments yeah, in each movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but that is one of the great things about this movie, and what kind of makes it like Last Jedi esque and mm. subversive is taking the big hero of the franchise like the per- the woman we have been waiting to return to this franchise and it felt like a miracle that she did yeah and then just after like a triumphant end in the uh, uh to the previous film putting her in a hospital the whole time and leaving all the main action of the movie to just a bunch of i mean lovable but kind of incompetent townsfolk just being driven mostly by rage and like the the fact that we don't see jamie lee curtis for like 15 20 minutes i forget how long it is before we finally join back up with them in this Mm. movie really hammers home that this this movie and series in particular is about the town of haddonfield yes and not just laurie and that is what's so great about um kind of sidelining her in that movie and like for anyone who's frustrated with that don't worry she comes back in the next one and it's all we got plenty of laurie talk ahead we got plenty of laurie talk ahead um i just think this movie is it's like david gordon green got too excited and realized oh i can do anything i want in a movie okay i'm just gonna do anything i want in a movie forgetting that he still had the third movie to go like i think um hayden did ask do you think if there was a plan Yes and no. I think there's a thread that he's pulling on throughout the movie that obviously David Gordon Green is interested in is how evil spreads, whether it is Mm. even through Laurie or through Michael, I think is a very interesting idea. Um, And and, um, and then that really comes home and ends. But in this one, I'm like, you do realize you had a third movie, 
David, you can calm down a little bit. You don't have to put every single ever idea you've ever had about a Halloween movie in this one movie. It feels a oh, little. No, it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the um, the the funny thing is the um, I forget exactly where I heard this, and I meant to go and do some more research before coming on here, mm. but originally I believe David Gordon Green had pitched a two movie idea to mm. Blumhouse. Mm. Um, and it was going to be something like 2018 and kills were actually going to kind of be one movie mm. kind of, uh, compacted. And then ends was going to be the second movie. And it's in some ways that feels like it makes more because it, I love this series, but after seeing ends, it is, it is a messy series where certain things kind of don't get picked back up mm. and other th- he's picking up on other things, but it, so in that sense, it feels like it would make more sense as a two movie series, but because they decided they want they wanted to go the safe route, they wanted to first of like guarantee that they they just wanted. To, sorry, I'm I'm reaching that point in the podcast where I can't speak coherently, but basically they wanted to go the safe route after the like risks of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 they're like we don't want to take any risks we want to do the safest thing we possibly can let's just do one movie see how successful it is if it works we're gonna we'll uh we'll go on with this uh plan of yours Mm. and because uh 2018 was such a behemoth they let him do the uh his other idea but he still had to split that into two movies there is one big risk i think he hid in the first one and we will get to it when we get to ends but i do think it is planted in the first oh it is absolutely planted in the first one i I would have loved it if we started with Corey. i any sane producer would have gone absolutely hell no not with a halloween movie Um, (laughs) even though i think starting with Corey, i think would have been amazing but we don't we end with Corey. But that is another story. Um, but still, it's so, so. I don't mean to keep cutting yeah. you off, Lindsay. Just I'm. I, don't know, I have I, my love for these movies. You is love so these deep. movies. I am. Yeah. I am worried that like uh, I'm gonna forget whatever I have to say about something. But I will say like again, like just what I, I love being caught off guard by a movie. And so you go to watch a Halloween movie after these first two. And all of a sudden, your main character is someone you have not met in the prior two movies. That is something that excites me. That gets me excited mm-hmm. for what I'm going to see because mm-hmm. I I have no idea what I'm going to see. I'm already like expecting the unexpected now. This is this is a good point. As soon as we'll get into ends, as soon as Corey pops up, I'm like, who's this guy? Um, but no. Gills, yeah, have a good time tonight. We have a good time tonight. Um, Gills, <laughs> but Kills is such a fascinating movie because it is such a mess, but then they'll have these really bright moments. And I mean, I, yeah, I think Matt freaked himself out by posting a fact that he loved Big John and Little John that blew up on the, on the thing. And so every second he goes like, oh my God, shit, why did I post that? I don't know why I did that to myself. It's purely Matt fashion of just like going, oh shit, I did, I did a thing. Um, but those two characters are amazing. They are just a loving couple who I still don't, I still want to see the origin story, how they, these two got together. Cause they're yes. amazing. But they are just hanging out Halloween night. They're having to deal with shitty kids. They obviously bought Michael Myers' house at a discount and did and, it Well, they're, they're realtors because you see their oh. faces on a bench in the background. I did not notice that. Okay, that, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So they're in this, they're in this house um, having a nice night, listening to records, doing, you can tell, like, um, Little John is way into Halloween. Big John is not. He's just smoking a joint, having a good time. And then Michael Myers comes home and it is kind of with 
um, the couple at the beginning, this is the other unfortunate murder where I'm just like, oh no, I like these guys. Well, that's the thing is like, like Ryan Turek tried his damnedest to say that Halloween 2018 was the first Me Too slasher, but Halloween Kills just asserts that Michael, it doesn't matter. Michael does not care who he's killing or why. No. He is killing everyone. They're in his and house. Like, They're in his everyone, house. And he wants everyone, to go up in the bedroom. He will, he will take care of them. <laughs> all of the victims that this movie is based around, you're like, Michael, you can't kill the nice little gay couple that everybody likes. Like, Michael, you can't kill this elderly couple. What the hell? It's just like, you feel Michael, we so like Cameron now. Stop it. You don't need to kill him in a horrible way. We forgive him now. <laughs> this movie ha- does a great job of having these little eccentric characters and making you care about them like that. That is like, something that David Gordon Green and uh, McBride are really good at. Even in mm-hmm. all three of these movies is introducing you to someone really quickly and you knowing them instantly and you're like okay yes. no i can hang out in this house for a while and then of course yes. because this is a halloween movie michael comes he does it with karen and her and toby huss i forgot his character's name he does it with uh, allison Ray. he does it with uh vicky and her boyfriend uh miles robinson he well i it- don't like vicky's boyfriend but, <laughs> but, but i think i don't like that actor oh, <laughs> but- you know- you do not like no, the spawn of Susan Sarandon and, and um, what's his name? Rob- it gives me the Tim <laughs> Robbins. Uh, that yeah, that Robbins, gives yeah. me the skeevies. I, I, I don't know why. In Blockers, I was like, I don't know about this person. I don't know. I Hayden it. loved seeing uh, John Cena throw that kid against the wall. <laughs> I did. I don't know. He, he must be out of getting dry humped that night, which is, which is I think he was, would have been very sad about. Um, no, it is... Yeah, he's very, very good at that, and it makes mm-hmm. it does make it much more painful um, for when um, they get murdered very horribly, very quickly. I mean, and when you have a character who I think Anthony Michael Hall does his character really well because you get his pain, you get the fact that um, Haddonfield, in a way, is a dying town, and it's mm-hmm. all because of Michael. Like this memory, yeah. they just cannot shake. It's not just Laurie; it's everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and I think Anthony Michael Hall is a representation of that. And I think he does it well. I just find it infuriating. I'm like, you're getting all these people I like murdered. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> now I like the nurse. We <laughs> she can't, was nice. We, can, we cannot. She's kind of a bully to her husband, though. She is. Yes. Give me that gun, you go, go, go to the car. <laughs> go to the car. It's like, I'm not going to the car. Like, I would not go yeah, to the car either. She, I would. she leaves... She leaves them. She takes the Desert Eagle and runs away. <laughs> yes. You know what? I don't like her anymore. No, no but I, I... I like the original nurse. The um, one who was Mar- oh, Mar- yeah. Marilyn. Yeah, I like her. She was yeah. she was nice and she was nice and kills. And she's gets... clearly just so happy to be there. You're like, oh, don't don't kill. Uh, what's her name, Mark? Marion. What's Marion? Yeah. Uh, now we cannot. We cannot move on and not have talked about the firefighters scene. Oh, oh, I was actually surprised how angry people got at that scene. Like it's an amazing (laughs) scene. Like it is such a badass entrance for Michael Myers, him just walking, strolling out of a burning building. Like he Mm. is like, it's nothing at all. And these poor firemen, (laughs) just kidding. And everyone, annihilated. And annihilated. Um, the anger the anger over that scene was, I think, a very small few because most people I've heard talk about this movie, even those that don't like it, they're like, 
the firefighter scene is awesome. It is. And it yeah. is awesome. Michael might as well be walking out of that building to dead or alive. Yeah. On a dead or alive. It's the exactly. moment this movie, it's the moment this movie becomes a hatchet movie. Like, but really a is. hatchet movie made by someone who knows how to make the movie. And it looks, <laughs> like, it looks amazing. You're like, because that's the constant thing with Michael Myers. Like, I'm a, such a big Michael Myers fan. And it's like, I love him, but I also love to root against him because you're like, no, Michael, you can't be killing these people. Somebody get Michael, you know, but I'm like, oh, he's my boy, though. And so, like, you feel for these firefighters. Michael kills cops all the time. And even people who, he does. you know, aren't even people who aren't like a cab or whatever. No one has ever like everyone has had a bad experience with the cops. So most people are like all down for Michael, all down for Michael kill cops in these movies. But everyone loves firefighters. Who doesn't mm. love firefighters, you know? So you're like, yeah. Michael, you can't be killing, you can't be killing Haddonfield's firefighter department. We but need it them. Just, <laughs> it's we really need them. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It is the most, like, audacious that, like, I you, we knew it was coming because of the trailers, but it is the most audacious thing to see, like, Michael Myers walk out of that house like he's John Wick and he's like I'm about to put all you motherfuckers down yes. and you're like oh my god what the hell what the hell no I think I love the mask in this actually I love the mask of this trilogy I think the mask is amazing it's one of my favorite masks um James I love he is a great Michael yeah he's a great I think Michael. he's he's I think he's my favorite Michael honestly he might be mine too not sure he's my f mm, Nick Castle still might be mine um but it is still this, I, but I love the half burn of the mask. It's just, mm -hmm. and it does have some very particularly amazing kills from yeah. dumbass people who think they can take him on to the poor people he just encounters. It is, mm -hmm. I love when Michael gets inventive and he isn't very inventive in this movie. <laughs> I mean, you've the got- The brutality. The brutality oh. of it is insane. And that is one thing I do like, will always love about kills is because even though, Everyone's an idiot running around with the head, like with the head cut off, and you kind of mm. are seeing Laurie's legacy over Haddonfield, which is not a good legacy, um, because people are absolutely just are getting killed, and um, Tommy Doyle is not helping in that in that matter at all. Um, you still see how brutal Michael and dangerous Michael is. There's an understanding of why this town is like going, no, not again, mm -hmm. because well, and, yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, sorry. Well. It I no, you're good. I'm sorry. I, I keep cutting everybody. I'm so bad on podcasts. I'm always trying to jump in. But like, I, you also have to remember like when this movie came out and when it was supposed to come out. For me, that adds so much of why I loved it so much because it was supposed to come out in 2020, and then it got delayed. So it was like, like any anybody who was a big fan of this thing really looking forward to it had nothing else going on in their lives at the moment because we're all you know i i think at that time we were still mark can you remember were we still being told to stay inside at that point yeah we were still quarantining mm. we were quarantined so like i still had to keep going to work but a lot of people here in texas still had to keep going to work but like we you know a lot of shit was closed and so you were just like pent up all the time and Lindsay you're in Australia I, I know is way stricter than it was here mm -hmm. right yeah. Oh, yeah so like everybody is losing their minds everybody is like like oh you know anybody who's a Halloween fan was like I just want to unwind to this fucking crazy ass looking <laughs> Halloween movie it gets delayed <laughs> a year in the grand scheme of things 
not a big deal while COVID is happening, you know, that a movie gets delayed mm. a year. But still, I, I remember being like, okay, let's wait another year. We get through 2021 and things started changing, but it was still this like pent up. There was just a lot of aggression in the last few years and everybody is, their blood is boiling. Every single thing that you see in the news is making you feel like you're losing your mind or you're going crazy. And then like, all, all I had in my head while I was watching Halloween Kills was that line that um, Woody Harrelson says in the trailer for Venom 2, where he's like, all I ever wanted in this world was carnage. And it just felt like such a release to see this slasher movie that was one of the most insanely violent and like action-packed slasher movies I've, I've ever seen. I, I don't know why. I think it worked the opposite for me because when Kills yeah. came out, we had been let out of a, another lockdown, which we needed. Like, I'm not sort of saying against mm. that. I just wish it, yeah. the state government had maybe during all those times propped up our health system just a little bit. So we, anyway, that's another thing. Um, uh-huh. So just leaving them to go, oh, and now you're on your own. Um, but so there was, again, I think there was a lot of, again, what you're saying, the news is making you insane. There's a lot of pent up frustration with everyone. Yeah, I'm going to go see this movie, which I've been waiting two years again, in this grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. but I was really looking forward to it. And then I'm looking at it going, okay, it's violent. It's got stuff I like. What the hell is this? I, it, my expectations <laughs> may have been too high. <laughs> so I, I was think definitely, I, just have... I think I was uh-huh. in the, what the hell? camp more mm. than okay. oh my god i am feeding into this anger i'm feeding into this violence this is amazing i was going so you made a choice um which i <laughs> think the more i watch it the more i am going to come around on this movie because there are things i generally do love about kills um and i'm just gonna have to but my issues are still my issues at the moment i've only seen this movie twice so that's kind of that kind of thing um but the things i love in this movie i love in this movie i mean when karen is washing her hands like and her hands are bright red i mean they are this blood is not and this is her mother's blood it's um it's not her husband's blood i don't think because i don't think she saw her but there's a lot of blood and she's not getting that blood off is such a Mm. beautiful sad it is they are coated they are coated this is not um and karen just wants to wash this blood off because she's the kind of person that wants to look at the good in the world and she's looking at her hands going yeah i went through something that I was never wanted to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I went through it is because my mother wanted Michael Myers to come to the house. That is why she had a plan. I was a part of it. I played my part. Now I'm looking at my hands going, fuck. <laughs> uh-huh. It's it's, yeah. it's a beautiful moment. God, I love Karen in this move. God, I'm so angry. <laughs> that, again, it is beautiful. You, killed off, you, you killed off a character I really liked at the end and then you ended on her dead face and I was very upset. <laughs> and we talked about Tavoli before, but I guess, was that the most controversial scene in the movie was the, the Tavoli stuff? The which Tavoli stuff? The, 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 the mental uh, patient the, who jumps out yes, the window? Yes, I think that was. I think, because um, this movie does and barring of when it actually came out and what had actually happened in the world since <laughs> between um you know between uh 2018 and 2021 and Tivoli um I think there was a lot of people 
and because we'd gone through a time when mental mental illness was on everyone's mind because everyone was going through a form of it just because of what was happening in the world i think yeah mm. the Tivoli stuff hit a lot of people hard and even i was just a bit like what the fuck like dude well, <laughs> and it wasn't helped by the fact that like all like you have this mob scene like any movie that deals with the mob it's it's always like, wow, mobs get out of hand. That's usually the message of yes of, of movies with mob <laughs> scenes. But then Jason Blum cannot fucking get out of his own way. The the <laughs> January twelfth shit happened, or January whenever it was. I, yeah. I don't even remember the the like storming the Capitol thing happened over here in America, and you got Jason Blum and I think even Jamie Lee Curtis being like. Well, that's kind of what our movie is about. And it's like, shut up. Do not make this about that. No, it's not still, about that. And she's still doing it. Jamie Lee Curtis is still doing it with ends. I'm like, shush. <laughs> they I won't love you. Stop. They won't shush. Stop, <laughs> stop saying that Taylor Jamie... Green, Green is the prophet for our time. Shush. <laughs> um, Jamie Lee Curtis, like, she obviously is not, she likes the horror films that she's in, but yes. because she does not generally like the genre and she can't even watch them, she definitely has to, like, justify her reasons for being in the movie. Yeah. Like, she can't mm -hmm. just say, yeah, I was in the horror movie because I wanted to be in this horror movie. It's definitely, like, this is about something. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it was kind of just bad timing of the mob and January 6th. Um, but those things happen in movies all the time. Like, movies reflect life, life reflects movies. It, you just, it depends what going, mindset you're in when you're, when you're watching something. Going back to Frankenstein, 1931. Yes, exactly. That movie was actually that. about the storming of the Capitol. <clears throat> yes, <laughs> that, that that is exactly what Frankenstein is is responsible for the megachads out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is just kind of what it is. But the publicity around it was just like you're not helping, you're not helping this movie. So if it's yeah. already getting you in that mindset, you're already angry, and then you're watching this, and then Tavoli happens, and I'm just like, fuck you, Tommy Doyle, fuck you. <laughs> so it's yeah, I think it doesn't help. If I so I think my everyone's reactions with kills was where they particularly were mentally at the time that they saw it i think that mm. does have a lot to do with it and it is a really brutal movie which i think is cathartic in a way but mm. at the same thing time i can see because i definitely kind of not the i i bounced up against it a little bit and i think that had a mm. lot to do with it it was just yeah it was just one of those things where i don't think David Gordon Green had any intention about writing about today's America. I think he was just writing about this community and how it is dealing with this element and life happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is funny how like all of this talk came from Jason Blum and Jamie Lee Curtis and almost none of it came from David Gordon Green <laughs> yes! or Danny McBride, the people in charge of crafting the story. Yeah. I have another no. question. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, before we move on, Lindsay, what were you going to say? I was probably just saying, yes, I think you're absolutely correct. None of this came from Danny McBride or David Gordon Green. It came from Blum, who is a consummate salesman, and Jamie Lee Curtis, who um, is Loves actually... Jamie Lee Curtis. Is, is, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's my girl. And I think that did come from a lot from her, because I think, yeah, she has to constantly justify, like, oh, I hate horror, but I like the horror I'm in. And mm. she is very correct when she says, look, I have to honour it because... It gave me my career. Without it, I wouldn't be sitting here. And, I'm, and she knows that. So, um, 
Yeah, good order. But yeah, I'm just like shush, shush. She's already turned around on. uh, She's already turned around on H2O. So let's just see how long it takes her to turn around on these movies. Yes, I actually don't like those movies. I think she. I think she she was actively kind of miserable on H2O. (laughs) I give her five years before she starts saying, "Oh, those were shit." Now, now we're remaking Terror Train. We're doing a legacy sequel to Terror Train. I no, saw um, that. Actually, you know, oh my god! The one thing wait, I did not wait. expect to legacy is she going to be involved? Is that really happening? I thought there wasn't. Wait, did uh, I? If that's, ha- if that's happening, I did is, not know. Is that, that happening? I think it's. I think it's just thought... a remake. Or am I? Did I? Did I oh, okay. for something? I was just trying to think of another Jenny Lee Curtis movie. You know, um, so can I? I, I want to ask a favor quickly because we were talking about Karen and Tivoli and. That is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. So I do, yeah. I do yeah. want to talk. Oh about no, that there a is a remake, and it's a Tubi original. <laughs> oh, awesome. oh my god! I wonder if they're gonna get Jamie Lee for it. No, I don't think they did. I think she went. I think they probably asked her, and she just went, uh, "No." <laughs> so Tubi original? No, thank you. No, thank you. They're gonna get um, the Tubi All Stars for that one. Oh my god! The yeah, Tubi original All Stars, which are a bunch of actors we've never heard of. Pretty much, I think that's it. But they have kept the magic element, which I'm kind of like. You have to keep the magic element in the territory. <laughs> Absolutely, Mark's got to talk to Volley because walking yes. out of the theater, I was like, "Man, I love that." Not sure how I feel about the hospital mm. scene, but Mark single-handedly turned me around on it. So, Mark, okay, you are like, on to Volley mo- in the hospital. It's the most influence I've ever welled in my entire life. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tivoli, yes. And this kind of ties into uh, talking about Karen, because we briefly, we talked about them in 2018, but there's a lot of stuff in 2018 I kind of wanted to save for when we talked about kills, because it really deepened my love for those elements. Mm. And one of those is definitely Karen. Mm. Uh, First off, just everyone think back to 2015. 2015 was a year when Judy Greer was getting a lot of bit parts in big movies like yeah. tiny part in Jurassic World, supporting role in um uh Ant Man, mm. uh like I don't I think she just appears in a picture in Tomorrowland or she's briefly in Tomorrowland. She's constantly uh, ex wife in in these movies as yeah. well, which was annoying. And me. she yeah. even had a bit part in the freaking Entourage movie. Oh God! So. Yeah, it's just like she's getting all these big parts, and there was a lot of online discourse. Like, God, Judy Greer is so great. Can't we just get? Can we just get her something substantial to do finally? Like, mm. oh my God, cut to all these years later. We've done nothing but praise her on this, but she gets like a lot to do in this movie. She does, and people are just making fun of her for it. Mm. So first off, it's got me wondering: Did you guys really want more for Judy Greer, or did you just? complain because you heard someone else complain and mm. you want something to complain about anyway that was just a brief little uh tangent i like i like complaining about people who complain about things that's all yeah, that's i do Frank. yeah so t- so <laughs> to get in this movie which first of all i already really liked her as karen in 2018 uh i thought she had a lot to do in that but in this where in the middle of this chaotic movie about a uh serial killer terrorizing a small town we get this subplot where this woman tries to save this mental patient from uh, getting killed. And I just felt like I had jumped into a completely different movie. And I love it when movies do that. 
because I love busy movies. I love movies that just like will jump from one thing to mm. another without even thinking about it. Cause a, it makes time pass more quickly, but B it genuinely surprises you. And so I was genuinely surprised by this turn of mm. events and it just made me love this character so much that she's literally like the, there's a handful, there's like, a precious few her Lori and the deputy that looks like Richard Brake are trying yeah. to save this guy. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Another MVP. Yeah. I and wanted him to come back for in so bad. Mm. Oh man. It's so disappointing, but then it's left up to her because Lori is, uh, you know, she, another great subversion. You think Lori's going to be in the action again. And then she just has her wound ripped open. They got to mm. take her back to her hospital. Bed. Yeah. And so it's left to Karen and she becomes like one of the heroes of the, well, she's not successfully a hero because she doesn't save him, but just watching her try to do this, just like, I don't know. I can't like put into words just how much I connected with that character on that moment. And then hearing all the like negative talk about that character in the wake of the movie coming out, I was just like, no, don't do that. No, Karen is not. She's one of the. She's one of the MVPs. She. I love her in this movie so much. I think she's the one that actually goes through an arc. She's the one who starts at one place and finishes at a completely different place. I mean, when she kind of goes to find her daughter, realizes she's okay, and then joins the mob, I think is such a heartbreaking moment because she's kind of succumbing to Haddonfield in a way. Like all she's done is just prevented Haddonfield from getting to her. Like, she has the nice house. She, like, I love how having a nice house is, like, a state of mind in, in this series. Um, but she's got the nice house. She's wearing the Christmas jumper. She's, like, I'm going to celebrate. Love the Christmas sweater, by the way. Love the Christmas sweater. It's amazing. And she does. So when she actually finally does and stabs Michael in the back, it is this kind of, she's fine. She's actually succumbed to Haddonfield. Like, well, the, you see, I... the manure of Haddonfield's kind of finally infected her. See, I disagree with that because I think she's the one that kind of like it ends up just it ends up falling apart. But she's the one to like actually organize the chaos like mm. had the like the chaos of the mob would have continued to get out of control if not for her. Mm. Like she's the one that tries to save Tavoli and then Tommy walks up to her after everything has gone wrong and he's asking her like, what do we do? Mm. And she's literally the one that kind of bring control to this chaos. So if any, I, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's sort of a good thing when that happens. I mean, it, it, she ends up dying, but I mean, if honestly, I feel like that was going to happen no matter what with Michael running amok. Yeah. But to have the last shot on her as a dead face is then that that's how you win the movie is a hell of a way to do <laughs> the best character in the movie is a hell of a way to end your movie. It, That's it, the thing it's is rough, like, but it hits. It does. It that, hits me in the gut. Yeah. The extending it, the extended ending is okay. Um, of, of course, like now having seen ends, of course they were going to have to change it. Cause it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense at all. But honestly, I think the the theatrical ending is so perfect with like, it just, that just happens. And then you cut to Michael breathing looking at himself in the reflection mm. and then slam to the title. Cause originally, yes. have you seen the extended ending? No, Lindsay? I have not seen the extended ending. The extended ending is he kills, uh, he kills uh, Karen. Um, 
her phone starts ringing and he looks down at it and you cut back to the hospital and Lori is calling her because oh. she just she just had that conversation with Frank. Yeah. And then she, uh, you hear the phone being answered and she goes, hello. And then all you hear is Michael's breathing. And then uh, she puts down the phone and she's leaving the hospital to go kill him. And it does that freeze frames, slow zoom in on the knife she's holding as she's leaving the hospital. That shot was in the trailer. Oh, yeah. And of course they cut it out because as we'll talk about in, a, in a, just a second here, I guess, when we move on to ends, originally the third movie was going to be a lot different. And so, um, so of course they took it out, you know, changed it to mm. just the theatrical ending. And man, I just think that theatrical ending just leave like ends on the perfect note. It's so good. It is an innocence 100%. is dead. For me, it's an innocence is dead. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Any innocence this mo- anyone had in this town is gone because Karen's gone. I think she was kind of that that light. Mm. Um, but no, it is a powerful way to end this movie, and I think this movie is so up and down for me. Still, I can't. I will watch it more, and I think I will find. I think the things I like will overtake the things I don't like eventually. But when this movie hits, it really does hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say about kills before we move on to? Um, see, it's him. a good, it, it's a good thing I didn't take any notes on kills because uh, I've seen this movie enough to where I don't have to take notes on mm. it. But if I had notes, they'd be too long, and I'd be trying to go through every single one of them. But you know what? I'll do the thing I did for 2018, where I'll just kind of hone in on a couple of great like mm. horror sequences. I mean, this whole movie is full of great horror sequences. Maybe like eerie kind of creepy sequences because this movie doesn't really have a lot of stalker michael this movie moves like a freight train Mm. so it's a lot more aggressive uh as a movie but the part first off in the 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 extended cut does have a lot of great stuff and there's a great part at the beginning when young lonnie is walking home and he sees michael standing by a bush like uh, reminiscent of the uh, when Laurie sees Michael in front of the hedge yes. in uh, 1978. And this is a much smaller hedge. And this scene is just dragged out forever. And then Lonnie walks up to the hedge and like the original, he's not there. It's mm. just a great little suspense scene. I love that they added that because there isn't too much of that in this movie. And that's not a problem with the movie. Obviously, I love this movie, but it's something that I like when it happens. And the big one for me is the... Uh, the precursor to the part, the showdown at the park, the showdown at the park. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, when they, uh, when Lindsay, who, by the way, we haven't talked about Kyle Richards in this movie. No, she's another MVP. I like was you. Surprised you how about much? This, yeah, she's really good in ends. It, yeah, you hear that there's a like. I mean, this woman who got her start as a child actress, but she's become a housewife. You're like. I don't know how this is going to go, but then she holds her own really well. I love her in this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she is, um, she's running up uh, to these obnoxious kids that are just pranking the Johns. They're swinging and they're swinging on swings. They're not swinging. Mm. Uh, had to clarify that. Jesus. Anyway, there's, they're, they're, they're all... swinging. <laughs> You're welcome. Listeners. Uh, so the kids are on the swings and she's like, what are you guys doing out here? And they are just being obnoxious kids saying like, oh, what, are you going to arrest me? Satan, not today. What are you doing here? <laughs> there, We've just been trick-or-treating. Yeah, and in the middle of this obnoxious conversation, one of the kids just says, and there's like a little guy in a white mask and he's been like trying to play hide and seek with us. 
And just like the way this ominous feeling kind of comes over you in, in this obnoxious conversation with these little shits. Oh, those these little kids, pieces of shit. They're so it's pieces so of shit. Good. Yeah. And then it just like starts building the more they talk about him. And then they're like, oh, look, there he is. And then you see Michael holding the mask of that one kid and there's just blood uh, seeping out of it. It's so good. I love it so much. Mm. Yeah, even Michael that's got annoyed like an, by those kids. <laughs> that's an MVP horror sequence for me. Uh, that's all I got to say on Kills, I guess. The last thing I've got to say on Halloween Kills, three generations strode strong. Yep. <laughs> that was the little tagline on one of the posters. Oh, oh my God. Oh, no, this is for me. This is a very imperfect movie, but the things I love about it, I really love. And the things that annoy me about it really annoy me about it. Um, but it's an interesting movie and I'm kind of glad it exists because they don't do this with um, franchise movies anymore. Like they just no, don't they go. Do yeah. And speaking of things I do not do with, <laughs> you're all good to go into ends. Oh, baby. Uh, I am. Yeah. Um, Hold on. Let, let me, uh, Oh, I'm going to rev up my motorcycle here. That's my motorcycle. Oh, my God. Yeah, speaking of... (laughs) Speaking of things I did not see coming in the Halloween franchise. Oh, my God. When I realized there were Jason um, Jason Goes to Helling this shit, I was so goddamn happy. I was kind of shocked that you used uh, Jason Goes to Hell trailer for uh, 2018 because, like, that, for me, that's, like, way more Halloween ends than 2018. It but really you made is. It work. I did make it work, but uh, it was that on QB Halloween, which I thought would have fitted more with um, Kills. Oh, there you go. No, I'm disappointed. We could have talked about QB Halloween. I'm a little disappointed now. <laughs> Hey, Mark, you can always make Halloween that your trailer. <laughs> you can always make that your trailer. Oh, my God. Um, yes, speaking of which, Mark, you have the trailer for um, Ends. What did you choose? <laughs> Would you believe me if I said I chose Hubie Halloween? As a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when your spooky fun gets out of hand. No, no, no. The supermarket selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize him. It's pretty impressive how long he's been a loser. Oh, messing with Shuby Dubois. Murder! A Salem tradition. <laughs> you gotta expect a scare here or there. There's something off in this town. Yes, I would. But I didn't. <laughs> no, you, no, I you didn't. didn't. I'm still going to put <laughs> no. the Halloween. Okay. Here, I will put the ha- Hubie Halloween trailer because <laughs> I think it's, I just have to admit, I just love this movie now. <laughs> it's a great movie. Anyway, um, all right. So with Halloween Ends, uh, did not go anywhere I thought it would go. What do we get in Halloween Ends? We get. Uh, you get Corey get Cunningham, a, God damn it! <laughs> we get Corey Cunningham. We get a sewer. We get a small town kind of being infected by the. Hmm. Uh, evil by the uh, evil that's hiding within it and we get a lot of stephen king vibes because of that and you know Ooh, what because yeah. of all that i think i'm gonna go with the trailer for it 2017 Ooh, perfect because when you're alone as a kid the monsters see you as weaker you don't even know they're getting closer until it's too late 
grandfather thinks this town is cursed. That all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. An evil thing. If you will come with me, we'll float too. George. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, when I was watching Ends, I was like, this has a lot of it vibes, uh, it two vibes, but it is a the uh, is this a 2017 one? Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. I mean, I could go with either one, but yeah, I felt like uh, no, you got to go with the 2017 so you get the that weird little clown laugh. Yeah. Thing. Oh god, that sound is amazing. You do get that at the end, at the beginning of the movie for uh, chapter two, though. No, no, oh, we go for one. Baby. I think there's a sense of. Yeah, yeah, it's because I mean, uh, young. I mean, part one mostly deals with youths. I mean, we also get uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, so we 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 don't just deal with uh, the youth of America, but it's it's a very it's got a youthful energy. You're dealing with uh, Corey and Allison and their uh, burgeoning traumatic yes. love. Yes, you've got uh, and yeah, I mean, this one deals a lot more with the sewer. Like uh, <laughs> yes. chapter two is. Chapter two is an epic movie, and that goes all around Derry. I feel like chapter one, one thing chapter really two could have. One thing chapter two could use more of is the sewer. It could have, yeah. Um, yeah, chapter one really. I mean, chapter one's all about the sewer. It opens with the kid getting dragged into a sewer after having his arm ripped off. I know. Oh, I mean, I've been watching because I have been watching the was it the hundred and one scariest moments on Charlotte at the moment. I know you yes. two have been enjoying. Great program, yeah, yeah, we love um, it. But they did for it. They did do the whole um, poor um, Georgie getting dragged poor into Georgie. the sewer, and I'm just like, I love that scene so much. But they were dissing the 1990 one a bit, and I could not sanction that buffoonery when they were sort of saying, "No one's done this." The sewer scary. I'm like, have you seen Tommy Lee Wallace's it? <laughs> Tim Curry and Train is the most terrifying thing you'll ever see. Sorry, well, Lindsay. That's the thing about the Shutter 101 Greatest Horror Movie Moments. You can't argue with that. I mean, it, it is it is a science. They got it down. I mean, they are the they are the definite one hundred one scariest movie moments. Twenty twenty's yeah. The Night House absolutely has one of the scariest <laughs> moments I've ever seen. I can't remember the scariest what it moment is, is that there, I didn't even I know it came out in twenty twenty. There. Oh, there's yeah. so much twenty twenty movies happening in this series. I'm just like, really? But then I've noticed they're doing things like they'll have the one movie about the blind person then they'll do another movie about a blind i'm like stop going in themes people <laughs> they literally oh, i love that they have blair witch the blair project witch. and mm. yeah they did I that i love that they have the blair witch project at like 40 yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah they did that in paranormal activity back to back and it's just like all right you guys are trying too hard here i think you are they did something with that with um the audrey hepburn blind lady alone in the dark and they did something else with another oh, oh don't, um, yeah they did don't breathe yeah don't breathe i'm like guys oh my God. come on <laughs> okay anyway we're getting we're anyway getting we're getting sidetracked i don't yeah it's a trailer. i don't want to talk too much about it but i mean yeah i've been i've actually been reading a lot of reading slash listening to in parentheses a lot of stephen king this year uh books that i've been meaning to get around to for years like oh well over a decade and i'm only just getting to them this year and he does deal with that theme of uh evil as kind of an infecting presence in mm. that uh in his books and that is really like heavily what is uh what halloween ends is about as no. like 
evil is literally being kind of like infecting this kid. I, yes. I keep using that word, but like it's being transmitted to him. Oh, being brought out, but we'll get into it. No, I think Corey Cunningham is an incredibly Stephen King-esque character. And I love the fact that you chose it because I think it felt like uh, David Gordon Green was channeling uh, it, um, the Andy Machete. Uh, it's um, way more than anything else. And I think that is an absolute perfect trailer. I'm so happy that you chose, chose that because I do love those, those the It movies. Both of them, I love. I, I, I adore them. <laughs> I mean, you've literally got that or Corey. Christine. Mm, yes. I was going to say yes. that or Christine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw you guys at the football game. How'd you ever get that car fixed up like that? It's plain old-fashioned hard work. Ever since he bought that car, he's been obsessed with it. And you know what else? They told us the man who owned that car last died in it. What do you know about that car? I know that the guy who owned the car before, Arnie, his daughter choked to death in Christine. It's that car. I swear it's the car. That's Christine coming. Oh, Cherry. That's funny, you know, because I, I heard you was total. Yeah, but you've literally got Corey being bullied on a bridge and being pushed over it by the yeah. bullies. Like, yeah. really, like, vicious bullies, like, real King-esque bullies, because King writes very vicious bullies. I, I want to talk about these bullies real quick before I forget. I think it is hilarious that the bullies are band kids and not athletes. <laughs> Shows, that shit is so funny. It shows how is down the rung poor Corey. Yeah, because they're band kids. They they it shows you how down the rung that um poor Corey is. The fact that the band kids are giving it. They're like they're like we're in the marching band, bitch. <laughs> Do you think that's this movie's version of uh, uh the grand the dad the dad is okay with his kid wanting to be in dance? Absolutely, because yes. it's these cliches, but they're subverted just a little mm. bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Still have a uniform. Good movie. No, Dr. I love a masterpiece. Yes, I love it. I, both of them are masterpieces. I love them dearly. Um, yeah, that that is, and I know Hayden loves where we ha we talked about for five hours on it too. So, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay, so might as well get Halloween ends. Um, sorry, Lindsay, I can I sorry, can I cut you off quickly because yes. that's basically what I've been doing this entire episode. I sincerely apologize about that. Okay. I'm I'm terrible, but these movies excite me. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. Hello. for you because he is coming but this time something feels different he's more dangerous killed my daughter but tonight i will kill him 
come and get me. Maybe the only way he can die is if I die too. It all ends now. Uh, I just want you guys to think back to a year ago, like over the past year. You've been watching Halloween Kills. You you go to see the black phone. Blumhouse releases dash cam. Mm. At any like, can you just believe that like the whole time Blumhouse was just giving us these movies? In another part of the country, they were also dumping Michael Myers in a meat grinder. <laughs> Little like, did can we you know. comprehend that they just like they just knew they were doing that, and they just they, they just were fucking ahead. sitting on it the whole time and just, not not no. like. Not letting us know that this was about to happen. By the way, ends we went out for a couple of weeks, but we would be spoiling the shit out of it. Like he does get dropped into a meat grinder. His yeah. e- his head uh, pops open like an egg. Like it is like amazing. a pumpkin. Like a pumpkin. It yeah. just goes boop, and there it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's, it's oh the audacity of this I, movie it is, is a, like incredible. It's a bold move. It is such a bold move. I mean, now, I have seen on Twitter that just because something takes a bold move doesn't mean it makes it good. No. But I think, and I know why it, a lot of people hate this movie. Well, I mean, it yeah. it helps that this movie is also good. Yeah, you know? it is good. Yeah, yeah. very um, good. It is. Yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, we all like this movie. <laughs> this is well, not yeah, I be wanted a, to. Yeah, I wanted to say, Lindsay, like, mm-hmm. so I. Okay, maybe we can get into the trailer stuff in a little bit. Like my expectations for the movie, what have you. But I was staying away from most everything I could. Mm. Mark got to see it a night before I did. I was really mad. <laughs> but the remember, first reaction, the first reaction, <laughs> the first reaction any of us saw in our group was you got to see it before even Mark. I was drunk, as by the way. I was meant to be under. <laughs> I, I'll cut this. Okay, I won't say. I won't right. say that because that is uh, technically it was under embargo, but I was very uh-huh. drunk and I was very excited. And it is one of the few horror movies that I've gone to see out with people where usually when I go out to um, a preview screening, which I'm very lucky someone invited me, um, mm. we say about, talk about a few cursory words and then we'll get onto something else. This one, we actually had to have a sit down with multiple people from the screening um, coming down to actually have a talk about it, whether they loved it whether they or whether they hated it. Like I know the person, a friend of mine. I could hear her, as soon as Corey said, "If if no one can have, if uh, if I can't have her, no one can." I heard her big sigh. So I knew she wasn't enjoying it, and she goes, "That she hated it." And then I'm like, "I actually really liked it." And then another guy goes, "No, I really liked it as well." And we were just like digging into it, it and it was amazing. And I was so excited that I had to drunk Discord you guys because mm-hmm. um, the wine had been had, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't talk about this movie. No one's seen it, but I really liked it." but a lot of people are going to hate it. I think something to that effect. And that effect that I hung out with someone who won big brother. I don't know. It was a night. Uh-huh. Um, it was, <laughs> um, and yeah. And then I know Mark went and saw it. And then I, when I was sort of eyeing off his letterbox review, King, what is Mark going to think? I know he loves the series. I don't know how he's going to take the whole, he's either going to love the swing or he's just not. And then when he put his review up, he didn't put a star on it. I'm like, Oh no. So I had to click on it. And then I went, Oh no. It's like, he's like, this is the best thing that has ever been made. I love it. I did I, not I, want, yeah, I didn't want, Caden did not want any preconceived notions going into this movie. Yeah. And that includes like, you know, a star rating thought. So I figured I would 
keep my star rating uh, yeah. hidden so as not to like give away the ghost or yeah. whatever it's mm -hmm. saying is. Yeah, and then ready for Hayden and then, yeah, so it was just kind of this process and then throughout the weekend of just seeing who liked it and who hated it and it's not, there was no kind of in between. I know Matt had to lie down after watching this movie <laughs> from, from um, Film Feast. He was like, Oh. That's very. That seems so on brand for Matt. <laughs> like, I've got this movie. I, I gotta lie down. I gotta but lie down. I did notice that it was the real romantics who love this movie, like Daniel from Cobwebs, you two yourself. Like as soon as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, the boys might love this because you know it's it's all about love and you know oh, you, you baby, do I you do love a good love story. Um, am I a romantic? I don't know. You might be because you do. Um, huh. Or is it Hayden that's a romantic? I don't know. It's just I'm I thought a, I'm a romantic. I'm, I might sure. be. I don't know anything about myself, honestly. I have I learn about myself from what other people think about yeah, me. Yeah, and so I, know, I guess I'm a romantic. Yeah, Daniel's a romantic, <laughs> um, and I think Matt is a romantic, except when it comes to canon. So I think he's like, calm down. There, there are rules. <laughs> well, um, oh, okay, if there's one thing I know about Matt, that boy is a hound for justice. He should love this movie on the best. <laughs> He really should, but I think it took him so by surprise that he was just like, I need to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so there's these kind of wild reactions of just like, what the fuck was that? I know James, um, TJ Mackey, just was like shitting on it the whole time. Like, he was just like, I can't. But now he's coming, slowly coming around. Like, he says he liked it 20, I don't know. This movie caused such a reaction that I kind of knew was coming because soon as Corey looked into the eyes of Michael Myers and they had a connection mm. and... Michael makes a true friend. Um, I think actually Michael actually kind of liked him until he didn't. Um, mm. I think because he's never had a murder buddy before. So this, so I think I was like, oh no, people are gonna lose their minds, and they have. This is mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, people lose their minds you know what I've all the time actually? though. So it's not a new thing. But I, when you watch something and know that people are going to lose their minds over this movie, not in, the, in a good and a bad way. I think it's kind of fascinating. These same people who have been saying they need to do something different. I'm tired of the same old, same old. They hate this one for being different. I, Dude, I am I am certain there is something about Halloween more than, more than Elm Street, more than Friday the 13th. Horror fans love to hate on the new Halloween. Don't know why. Not not sure. It's probably because the only two, um, the only Nightmare and Friday we've had since I was like cognizant were like remakes. We yeah. haven't had any sequels. But there is something about Halloween that people just love to shit on the the new one for some there, reason. There is, and I don't exactly know what it is because I've seen it since. I don't either. Um, H2O. Well, I was definitely one of the ones hating on Resurrection. Um, they uh, for good reason. Yeah, for very good reason. <laughs> that um, movie needs to go in a giant grinder. <laughs> really, it needs to pop out like a pumpkin. Um, it's, yeah. It is, and then people still love to shit on that on Rob Zombies. I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know. I just I, I appreciate what he does in Hello in the 2007. I just don't like looking at it. Yeah, um, I, think it, I think it goes too ugly. Whereas I think Halloween Two is actually a beautiful looking movie for yes, the darkness. Yeah. Fun fact, by the way, uh, on Letterboxd right now, Halloween Two, Rob Zombies Two, and Halloween Ends have the exact same score. And if you look at the ratings distribution, they are both like wild as hell. Like you've got like high numbers of reviews for every rating level. 
That's yeah. how you can find the best movies. Exactly. <laughs> Whenever they're spread out like that. To be honest, I exactly. think this is ends. I think ends does have, I mean, yes, we're talking about a lot of Stephen King and I think it does. I think Christine and it are really good examples of that kind of Halloween protagonist. Um, but yeah, I think he's also kind of a Rob Zombie protagonist as well. I mean, he's grimy, he's ugly, mm-hmm. he's wearing a jersey that hasn't been washed in two, a, a year. Um, a sweater that hasn't been washed in a year. He's unkempt. He's trying to be good, but there's this evil in him that... Um, actually, first question, because we're going to have to get in... Uh, Corey is going to be the main thing of, of this episode. Yeah. Um, do you think that evil was transferred to him or do you think the evil was brought out in him because i'm still trying to i need to watch i was trying going to watch it again hayden you've seen this twice um but i'm sort of wondering did he kill the kid on accident or accidentally on purpose that's still something i'm trying to think so it says more about me than what the actual movie the Mm. the uh i don't know what the idea of the filmmakers was you Mm. know i'm not privy to their inner thoughts but for me for my satisfaction, the evil was put into Corey. Okay. And he has been he has been pushed to his limits. Mm-hmm. So he's acting out on dark impulses that I truly don't think he ever would have actually done. But I do think that for the themes of this trilogy, the curse of Michael Myers <laughs> is being passed on to Corey. Mm. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Uh I agree. Mm. Yeah, it um, because I mean, look, the guy was just locked in an attic trying to get out, and he accidentally. I mean, I guess we we don't actually see it, but I mean, it's implied that he just the door knocks, yeah, kicked the, the door, and yeah. that pushes him off. There was no intent to kill a kid there whatsoever. Mm. That's just a freak accident. So I don't think there is evil inherent in him. But yeah, like after all the years of being just like like shit on like having to deal with a bunch of shit because of this. And as Hayden said, being pushed to his limit, I do think he was, uh, God, I can never think. I always think of the silliest words, but like primed to receive the evil that Michael is transmitting to him. Now I'm counting the days. It it may have happened by the time this Mm. episode drops at the end of the month. I'm counting the days for Jason Blum and (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis to come out and say, this movie is actually about cancel culture, about how we treat people so badly that we turn them into monsters or, uh, or Jay- some shit oh, like that. Jamie's already done that. Like, oh, she- never mind. <laughs> never mind. Perfect. Oh, actually, no. She called. No, she talks more about victim blaming, but she has come on and says, like, you know, okay. David Gordon Green predicted, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter riots and the and the January sixth. I'm like, shush, shush, uh-huh. Jamie, shush. Wow. Um, you know, 2018 was the Me Too. I, you know movie. what? And this one is about how we've now turned on each other and now we are victim blaming. So yes, that is actually a way of her saying it's going it's going into cancel culture. You know what? That is the most that's the most believable thing they've said out of all of them. Like that (laughs) is the most believable theme. Yeah. It makes sense. They what they're saying kind of makes sense for once. It's kind of a Mm -hmm. shock. Yeah. 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 Um, I agree with that. Yeah, kind of do. But yeah, she, no, she's already she's already doing that. Um, I, well, I haven't heard from Blum, but that is what Jamie has been has been saying. But he's like counting his Blum's money just and saying, t- "Yeah, Blum? what she said." Yeah, because I yeah because I've just always... telling us to go watch Moon Age Daydream. <laughs> hey, I love that movie. Um, it's it's a, it's a trip. Um, though very loud. I do want to see it. Yeah, see, no, you have to, that's one. Okay, this is not a movie you watch on your phone. Just 
you watch Tenet on your phone, go for gold. Actually, I would say Moon Age Daydream is something you should find a very large screen for and turn the volume up to annoy people. Is that um, the David Bowie documentary? Yes. Accomplished. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I kind of read it as, which is how I kind of read the whole trilogy, is that there was something inside him because the way that he, he's wanting to get out of the attic, but he the way he was kicking the door, I'm like, okay, so maybe there's that anger already inside. Because he's like get, freaking out. Yeah. He's freaking out. And once you get a sense of his home life, then you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of making sense. But there's something already inside him that Michael's already bringing out. Like he didn't intend mm-hmm. to kill the kid. He's kind of doesn't want to be a monster. Michael gives him permission to be that monster. And that makes me think that... Dr. Satan, Satan, or whatever, mispronouncing his name. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan! <laughs> Seriously, I was calling, I legitimately thought his name was Dr. Satan when I first saw it in 2018. Well, okay, before we get into the, before we put on our tinfoil hats and get into conspiracy theories. Yes. You brought up Corey's home life, and I just want to say really quick, this is, this is probably the most Midwest uh, <laughs> Halloween movie. Yes. Because, I don't know if you guys noticed this, he and his family are eating spaghetti with glasses of milk. <laughs> Some what freaky Midwest shit. What is with goddamn glasses of milk and sociopaths? I don't under. I mean, it's psycho. It's all psycho. It's like the mi- it's the Midwest, dude. Oh. I don't know what it is. They they got they they got brittle bones over there, and they're trying to build them up with some milk or something. I don't Once know what. You hit three years old or four years old. No more milk. It's disgusting. It's gross. I like um, a glass of milk with a piece of cake or some uh, or some cookies or something, but like, you, it's got to complement something rich. You can't be drinking milk with spaghetti. What are you doing? Oh, uh, I didn't yeah. notice the milk thing, but yeah, his yeah, Corey's home life was is kind of the serial killer soup, I guess. Like his mother is way too into him. Um, no. Like I love the moment where she goes to kiss him and he just like pulls away. Like he has uh-huh. no interest in being her Norman Bates. And her dad is checked out. So when she kicks him, his dad is checked out. Like, as soon as he, she kicks him out of the house, his only thing to say is, I hope you actually find real love one day. And that is the saddest. See, I don't think his dad is totally checked out because his dad's not like the Boogie Nights dad, you know, where he's just like sitting on the bed, not doing anything. But I mean, the mom is really the one running the roost. Yeah. But the dad, I love the dad so much. I do love the dad. But he obviously is the guy who goes to his work, sits down yeah. in front of his laptop, puts headphones on, and watches and watches Hard Target, which is not right. a terrible night. But that is kind of you get the sense <laughs> that he's not standing up for Corey, like he, yeah, he's he's being kind to him and giving the motorbike and mm. is kind of the center of his life. But when his wife is involved, he sits back and all he can say is, "I hope you find real love one day," and just like, right. oh. Yep. I- I have a question about this, though. I, it's got, something kind of popped into my head. Do you think that Corey's home life has always been like that? Yes. Or do you think maybe his home life kind of devolved into that after the whole murder trial and everything? I think like it maybe devol- that put a strain it, on it? I think it devolved because what we can tell from the first scene is that Corey is a good kid on his way to a bright future. And then the the accident interrupts all of it. I will say he's a good kid who's onto a bright future, but he says, I want to save money. He clearly wants to get out of Haddonfield. So I True. think there's I think there's an element of that family going on. I think it just evolved worse after the trial. Um, mm. Because I think 
his mother realized, oh, he's not going anywhere. Like he's right. he's here with me always. There's no him running away. So I think it, that's fair. Yeah. So that's why I think that these elements have always been in every single one of these characters, which is how I've read it. I may watch it again and go, oh no, this 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 evil was imported into him, um, and he had thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's um. Well, so like, that brings yeah. to mind a that brings to mind a question for you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Then, so if uh, if if the evil of Haddonfield and of Michael Myers is just feeding on the evil, the inherent evil in him, do you believe that this trilogy is saying that Michael? It started with Michael Myers, or is Michael Myers like the uh, the Henry Bowers or something like a the perfect vessel to harness this? Like if it is like Dairy the perfect vessel to harness this evil that has always been in this town. I think Michael Myers is the perfect Henry Bowers. Like he was just the conduit that. Okay. So you don't think it started with Michael? No. Okay. That is my conspiracy hat, but it is because the start of this movie really reminded me of it too. And that is, yes, it had a lot to do with a whole bunch of teenagers pushing another kid off a bridge. Um, Mm. But I love that you can see Haddonfield is slowly dying. Like it's yeah. just being consumed with itself. And, mm-hmm. but when, because Laurie is the one who's kind of getting, obviously gotten counseling. She's learning a lot, using a lot more of that terminology when she's talking about her trauma, especially with the memoir that she's writing. And um, her house is gorgeous. It's got a nice, actually Laurie's house oh. has always had a nice kitchen. You can tell she's a cook, um, mm-hmm. but she's got this amazing kitchen. She's trying to fill it with love. Um, it's not. She's got quite, a great house. I would kill to ever be able to own a house Me too. like that. Like or a house, house in general. And you look at that house. And you're she's like, got, amazing. She's got a fireplace yeah. upstairs as well as downstairs. I know. What madness is this? But it is. It's an amazing house, and that one is beautiful. It's looks kind of expensive. Everything else in this town is looking very shitty. Um, and and yeah, I think. That is kind of, um, though not to say the end of the movie, I think the town is heading toward hills because it's kind of put all its evil into Michael and it, it popped like a pumpkin. Um, and I think that's kind of, so I think this town can now maybe begin to heal. But yeah, there was mm-hmm. something, there was something rotten in the state of Denmark to begin with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can get into a lot of this because... What has been lingering in the background of this conversation, as much as lingering in the background of this trilogy, there is some oh wicked, witchy voodoo shit going on in the background of these movies. Yes. From the very beginning. From the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mark, why don't you tell us about what happens at the very beginning of Halloween 2018? I would be glad to. Thank you, Hayden. So, <laughs> Halloween 2018, picture this. You're sitting down in a dark theater and the Universal logo... I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that again. Uh, No, Uh, no, I don't mean... It opens with uh, Aaron and Dana Sartain's showing them... uh, He's uh, letting them interview Michael. And all of a sudden, as they're doing it, everyone around Michael starts freaking out. And it happens the second that the mask is brought out. Mm. And Mm. it hints at this kind of supernatural force that's like, it like kind of proves the idea Michael is more than just a man. And 
yeah, that's uh, like it clearly hints at what was to come and shows that they had this trajectory. They kind of had this basic trajectory in mind from the very and- beginning. And that was little like uh, what breadcrumb for that, that whole opening that on its face, like in 2018, it feels kind of weird. Like, even though like, yeah, I don't know how to put in the words. It feels weird when it's just that movie. Like it's a fun little sequence, but like there's not enough in it to justify like, wow, Michael is this like all powerful evil that can just like cause people to start saying Figaro and screaming, <laughs> cause dogs to start barking. No, there was a certain and I, I, Yeah. So there's a certain magic when Michael puts on the mask for the first time in 2018. Like when he kills the podcasters, he goes to the car, finds it. And he puts it on. You've got that. Ama- there's amazing score behind it, and then it's like, oh. okay, Michael is. Yeah, there's something rejuvenating, and there's a moment in ends when you can tell he's like powering up. <laughs> oh yeah. This mo- yeah, it just yeah. So just the fact I realized that today, like I've always thought that was a fun little opening, but seeing it that it's like, it's kind of the key to or. I don't want to say the key, but it's basically telling at the beginning of this whole trilogy where it's going. And that was a fun little Easter egg. And that kind of leads into, I'll let Hayden talk about this because that's his boy, but the character of Sartain. Oh, yeah. Okay, so when when the Sartain twist happens, there's a couple of things about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get very Hayden about this because when the Sartain twist happened in 2018, not only did I sit up and go, whoa, okay, I don't know where this movie's going. This is exciting. There was something about it that I was just like drawn to. It Number one, it's very audacious. I respect them for going super crazy and just being like, wow, okay, that that is wild. And I, I can't believe they're just letting people, they're, they're thinking people are just going to go along with this and not ask questions. Mm. But there's like a lingering question there. It's like, this doesn't seem like it fits. doesn't seem like it makes sense. So in the back of my head for the longest time, I've been like, so, there's something about the Sartain twist that's like, it's going to come back. It's going to mean something. Honestly, the whole time, I really did think they might do a Cult of Thorn. And there was like some wicked, weird shaman stuff going on in in like in the basement of Smith's mm. Grove. I thought for sure Sartain was going to come back somehow. Um, they even show his body in the morgue and kills. And I was like, okay, they're reminding us of these things going on. Um, but so what I think that, so, okay, sorry. Step back a second. Mm. When the movie came out, I remember on shockwaves, uh, Rob G brought up that we, uh, you know, I, Becca, Rebecca McKendry and Elra Kane were just did not talk about the movie at all. They're just like, yeah, we saw it and refused to say anything about it. They kept putting it off. They were like, oh, people kind of want us to talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. They just never. So clearly they didn't like it and didn't want to mm. say that. In Brian Turk. But Rob G was actually like, OK, so I overall I liked it, but I don't I don't like the that little doctor twist. And Ryan Turk said one of the most baffling things at the time. He was like. That twist is what makes this movie David Gordon Green's vision. And at the time, I thought that was just some bullshit producer speak to to like hand wave away a criticism, mm. you know? And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? But now all these years later, it makes total sense that like 
that was that must have been the original pitch when yeah. he went in when david gordon green and dave mcbride who in a second i do want to ask y'all how how much y'all think dave mcbride was actually involved in these movies but we'll get to that but that must have been their original pitch when they went into jason bloom they must have said okay we want michael myers to possess people and maybe that was going to play out in the original movie uh, in the original movie and then once they started talking about expanding possibly expanding it to give it sequels he was like okay i will keep this little scene we'll write this little scene and it will kind of hint or foreshadow something that is to come and in retrospect i i do think generally everyone who has a problem with it when they go back and rewatch it you can't not see it that way now you can't a watching Ends. I went. Oh, Sartine looked into his eyes. Um, right. He became obsessed with this notion of evil that he. He was... touches his face. I mean, he touches his face. Yeah. To see if he's alive. N- now, I do think. Oh, I think it happened beforehand. I think right. when you meet him, I... I think he's already. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, but I do think there was like a transfer. There was a purposeful transference of yes. some kind of evil before, right before he uh, stabs Hawkins. Mm. But furthering this conspiracy theory, this is what made me sound like an absolute lunatic, <laughs> like a space cadet for like two years, because, or I guess a year, because when Kills came out, I I loved it, but uh, our mutual friend, Mark and I's mutual friend, pointed out that he was like, did you guys notice that there's there's like a conspicuous radio tower it's like a cgi radio tower in the background of every scene like they purposely added a radio tower in the back of this in the back of like every image of this movie and it was a weird detail and we're like that's strange and then the more we watched it the more we were like well why do they keep why did they keep it in the back i guess to may maybe so we could spatially be aware of what's going on where in the town but I was like, it's got to serve a different purpose. And then the scene happens where Tavoli steals the car and the the song playing on the radio is um, the Marriage of Figaro song. Mm. And that's what the one of the patients was screaming at the beginning of Halloween 2018. And I was like, this is a weird little detail to be recurring in here. Mm. So that honestly, that got me that got me on this weird conspiracy level break uh brainwave mm. where i was like there's something going on with michael is able to control maybe control people or like something telepathically uh like <laughs> and it got to the point where we were like literally using the radio we were like literally he's using the radio tower <laughs> to control people and there's that conversation between the johns where they're talking about how bees can communicate telepathically mm. And I'm like, this is so strange. So for a year, I was like, this is going to come back. And then on the commentary, when they released Halloween Kills, on the commentary, David Gordon Green is like, uh, pay attention to that radio tower. It's going to come back in a big way. And so I was like, it's confirmed. I can't believe my stupid little fan theories are like confirmed. And then now I want to ask you a question, uh, another question. Mm. So originally, and I will always mourn as much as I like Halloween ends and I do like Halloween ends a lot. I love it. I will always mourn what would have been 
when this was going to be a trilogy of Halloween movies taking place over the course of one night. Mm. I want to know what the hell that movie was going to be so bad. Me too. Cause I was a bit surprised when they said, Oh, it's going to take part. It's going to take a thing four years later. And I'm like, interesting. So yeah. first two are one night and then it's a four year jump. So yeah, it would have been fascinating to know if they would have kind of kept the same idea of Michael being able to kind of possess or transfer or whatever he's doing. Like, I like how they kind of keep it vague um, mm-hmm. over the thing, but I like the fact that they jumped four years because you can kind of see people just kind of sitting in their own mess. Laura's the only mm-hmm. one that's kind of gotten help because um, we talked about the, um, I keep forgetting her character, the poor woman who um, husband got murdered at the beginning and she got like stabbed with a light thing in the neck. Sandra. It, Sandra. And it's this a painful moment of Laurie just having this amazing moment with Will Patton in the supermarket. She goes outside, she's smiling oh, so and it's like, oh, why are you smiling? You don't get to smile. Um, and then you just see her cut to think for Sandra in the wheelchair and you're like, oh no, this woman has been surviving. She survived, which is great, but at the same time, there is a quality of life and she has been just been having, she obviously is paralyzed mobility is not good she's having to live with her sister her sister's having to be her main carer and this is not and now she's this broken husk of a human being not being able to re- i don't know it was just such a heartbreaking moment that you're just like oh no she survived and i think the town is kind of just sitting in their own what did we do four years ago we made a big mistake and now yeah. it's the blame game and this movie does the whole thing where it just sort of does that very obvious text uh text this um subtext is text thing when you get Corey saying if i can't have her no one can and then when laurie's playing detective and trying to figure out about Corey, so she talks about to the father of the boy that was killed and he goes the town has been trying to claim other people's pain as their own so there's this kind of theme of people either taking emotion or people transferring emotion like and it's the sister of which i can't blame her she's the one who's been having to be the primary caregiver of a broken woman of this horrific thing that happened to her so she's taking all this but she's kind of turning her sister's story into her story which i thought was an interesting element throughout the the movie people constantly Mm -hmm. doing that which i think goes back to jamie lee curtis talking about victim blaming and cancel culture and all that kind of thing right Mm. right Mark, what do you think about all this mess? Mm. I uh, I have I don't even have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. again, I again, like I said, I wanted to clarify my thoughts on ends a little more by watching it again, but I didn't have the opportunity and so I still am not like I still don't have my thoughts on this movie like kind of I know I love it, but I don't have everything solidified in my head. I can't mm. I, this is a movie. I, it's so it's such a weird movie that I just I still can't like coherently put thoughts together about it. Well, let's get back to elements about the movie that we like or remember or want to mm. talk about. But before that, I I do want to ask y'all before I forget because I've got a really bad memory. I how how involved do y'all think Danny McBride was in writing this? Because there's a different co-writer on each movie at least one other co-writer on each movie. And I have never, since 2018, I haven't seen or heard an interview with Danny McBride about these movies at all, which I find strange. He's, I can feel all over 
2018. It's just got that weird sensibility that he has, like with the mm. chapstick joke and a few other, like I got peanut butter on my penis. I don't know. I don't know mm. if that's him because usually I'm wrong when I say, oh, that's definitely this writer. And you find out, oh, no, it was actually the other guy. Um, yeah. But it feels like him. There's a few moments in kills where I think I see him, especially with um, Big John and Little John. Like mm, just the, okay. the, the banter, um, but I will say ends is the least funny out of the three of them. There is few mm. yucks in in ends. Um, mm. I mean, you've got the moment when Laurie's like slamming the pumpkin guts and sort of saying, you know, live, love, oh. fuck, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Oh my god! Which is incredible. It's just like, <laughs> oh, there's the old Laurie's still in there. She's not. She's not gone anywhere. Um, <laughs> from 2018, but it is, yeah. But at the same time. David Gordon Green could have been very concentrated on tone and sort of saying, okay, we'll start off with some of the yucks in the first one, but by the time we get to the end, it's going to be much more... I don't know if ends is completely serious because um, it's so weird, but it is... Um, yeah, there's there's less jokes, I would say, and it feels like the least referency one. Like, Kills went a bit too overboard in it, but this one's pulled it back where you only get a few moments, like flashbacks or... Michael Myers cocking his head once he stabbed the woman to the wall and he just tilts his head, which I was very happy about. I'm like, he did the thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's, it feels way more or less referency to the, to the rest of the series. And, it, and it does feel less funny, but that's only because I know Danny McBride as being a comedian when I don't know what mm. his talents are on. Yeah. Writing series. Well, I'd like to, uh, yeah. so I'd like to talk about that for a thing because I ha I watched uh, season one of Eastbound and Down. I've seen a couple of the things he's written and yeah, like yeah, people think of him as a funny guy, but he is really good at writing like kind of more serious moments. Like there are a lot of moments in Eastbound and Down where it gets surprisingly emotional, mm. and you would not expect that. From a, like you watch a couple scenes from Eastbound and Down where he's just being the vul the most vulgar human being on earth, you do not think that this uh, is a show that will have any dramatic moments. But then they'll just catch they'll just catch you off guard with like a really serious moment. You'd be mm. like, I was not expecting that, and I also think like the like comedy and drama kind of exists some uh, somewhat on a thin line for him because like there are moments like. The the example I always go to is the um, the dinner the restaurant scene in 2018 mm. where Lori kind of has her meltdown, and I could I always picture that that is a scene that could just be slightly rewritten to have Kenny Powers just like yeah melting yeah. down and just like making everyone at a dinner table feel awkward, but instead of because of trauma and grief it's because kenny powers is an asshole he's a <laughs> drunken drug addicted asshole and that's yeah. what he does so the point being i feel i can sense quite a bit of danny mcbride in these movies in kills as well because like kills is kind of satirical like the way the town goes oh, about yeah. trying yeah. to carry out their mob vengeance in the absolute worst ways possible like well, evil Mar evil dies tonight feels satirical <laughs> yeah. marion with her gun just like basically threatening the safety of everyone in the car the nurse having the gun like Ugh. kicked back so where she shoots herself in the head like this is very dark comedy which danny mcbride specializes in so i do feel like he is more involved than uh some people like to think now ends i feel like 
partially because there are like three additional writers in that one. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was less involved in that one, but I definitely feel him heavily in 2018 and kills. Hmm. Now. Okay. Thank you for answering that. (laughs) I want to talk the other, the other big, the other big name on these is David Gordon green. And what I think is so cool is that while he made, while he did direct, Definitely did. I mean, of course, he directed the other two. This is the one that you picture whenever you think David Gordon Green's making a Halloween movie. This feels like a David Gordon Green movie through and through. And while it's still not exactly realistic, it's less of a heightened reality than like Kills. Kills doesn't feel real at all. The dialogue is crazy. But, you know, I love I love that about it. But this feels like a blue collar dead in town David Gordon Green movie that just happens to have Michael Myers in it also, you know? Yes. No, I I love that. I love that as well. I love the blue collar nature of it. I love the Stephen King blue collar nature that he's obviously riffing on. It does feel like David Gordon Green, like he's kind of he's kind of just like opening up his like oh i guess this is the movie i think it feels like the movie he wanted to do originally which yes michael myers is possessing people this movie may have been the first pitch i don't know i don't know but the fact that they finally got there and it feels much more grounded it is not uh, i say realistic it's not completely realistic because i don't think even though i really do love um roman campbell i think who plays Corey's performance because um, even he feels off in even the Halloween um, in the in the opening when he's like it's Halloween, we're have a good time. Yeah, twenty nine when he finishes. Halloween, we're gonna have a good time tonight. We're gonna have a good time. So good. It, it that feels off, and the kid is obviously like such a dick when his parents aren't there, which I love. Kid is a piece of shit. I love how actually Thoughts. everyone, almost nearly everyone who dies in this movie is a piece of shit. Like there's something yes. subversive which about is that. The, uh, which is kind of the opposite of, of kills. kills where yeah. everyone who dies is like a great person. And the only, the only piece of shit who dies and kills is that kid in the uh, skull mask who yeah. dies off screen. And because he's a mm-hmm. kid, you still feel bad for him. Yes. And it's like this kid, this kid is obviously a piece of shit. He's very good at playing up to his parents. Like, yeah, we're going to play you know um make airplanes it's gonna be great and then it's like no monster movies cut to it i'm watching the thing um (laughs) uh, and that's what he wants to do and he wants to play trick on his babysitter and the fact that it all sort of goes wrong but i don't know the way he says yeah we're gonna have a good time tonight feels so off i don't know what it is so this isn't a realistic movie in any sense of the thing because everyone's either so awful or they're allison who is like perfect um even but even she is like but everyone's disgusting every i mean her ex i still her ex-boyfriend the cop the fact that he pulled her over to harass on her all the uh, by the way sorry quick thing about that cop yeah. that uh cop's name is officer mulaney mulaney's are the name of the family of kids that were harassing lonnie at the beginning of kills so that's one of the uh, that's one of the kids from the beginning of kills oh that is grown up that yeah and he's still an asshole um he's still an asshole the the doctor is like oh t- saying to Corey, oh isn't to about allison oh isn't she cute and it's just like oh it i mean the the quick thing about that doctor <laughs> this is the whole thing oh my- about the community. oh my god this is the whole thing this. about the, the well no 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 this is the whole thing about the community in these movies they do reference each other 
but it's so smart the way it yeah. does it like the original Halloween and Halloween too. Yeah. Like it, it plants these little names and they come back. Like, yeah. uh, so that doctor that that's the doctor that the nurse and, and her, or sorry, the nurse and the doctor oh, in Halloween shit. Kills are you talking about. You need to stand him. up to your boss. Oh my God. Yes. yes. That's the doctor. They're they say Dr. Mathis is being a sleaze or whatever. Yeah. And it's him. It's because so is, good. Yeah. Where they pay the stuff off. Yeah. And he is such a sleaze and it's just so grimy. And uh, the fact that Allison was this girl who would push Oscar away and say, just because I don't want to be with Cameron doesn't want me and I want to be with you. And now she is so broken that she will let these men harass her. Mm -hmm. This 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 is not the same Allison that was in part one. And it's about no, not by a long shot. Yeah, and she has just been beaten down, beaten down, beaten down because she lost her parents both on the same night. She lost her friends, everything. And now she's just this kind of, you know, when so when she says, burn it to the ground, I believe her. Like she is just like, I'm I'm done. And yeah. it is this kind of amazing kind of thing and then so when everything sort of I forgot where i'm going with this point but yeah no i love the fact that it's four years later i love when we see these characters i love the fact that the sexual harassment and bullying is just now so commonplace in this town that mm. the people who were who survived were the worst of society like because even though i have issues with tommy uh, Tommy Doyle has blood in his hands, but he still had good <laughs> intentions. Like he was yeah. actually just trying to rid the town of this evil. Um, mm. It didn't work out. And now just the worst people are left in town. And poor Allison is, and um, Laurie's kind of rising above it, but poor Allison's just getting buried in it because she's still having to work with these people. Uh, Laurie's kind of separated herself a little bit in her nice house. So it's, mm. yeah, it's. Um, well, there, yeah, there but, is a sickness. I mean, like this is, it's, it, you know, Stephen King, it's Bruce Springsteen. There is a sickness in this small town that like that. I love that montage at the beginning where yeah. they're saying Michael may be gone, but his evil is still present. Yes. People are still murdering each other. People are still killing themselves. Michael Myers and wouldn't use guns. I love that line. Yes. Michael Myers wouldn't use guns. I believe it's Oscar's mom who's hanging herself. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so, that is just such a, it's such juicy thematic material to like mull on. Dude. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really going anywhere with this. It's just, I love this movie so much. And now we haven't really talked about, I guess the most controversial element of this movie is I guess the lack of Michael, right? Yes. I think a lot of people, this is why I think Matt needed to go have I a thought, lie down. Um, I thought the most controversial element was the fact that Michael possesses a kid. And then uh, sits back a little bit. No, I think. I mean, cause we, we love that, but people are like, People want to uh, see. Yeah, I don't know. I just, no. They 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 want to see when Michael, you see something that way. They want to see Michael murdering people. They don't want to see him possessing people, and they don't want him to take a back seat. This is the either, annoying. Th this is the annoying thing about so many like horror fans. They like the stupid. Like they like nothing but the ambiguity of just. Well, is he him? Is he a regular guy or is he supernatural? They never want that answered. No. And it's like. It's like, okay, you have 12 movies that do that, or I, I guess 11 movies that mm. do that. It's like, 
we finally got an answer. It's okay. They're going to reboot it. They're going to pretend like this one never happened, whatever, move on. <laughs> Just watch the first one or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, but it has been there since the first one. It has. That he is supernatural. And so I agree with you, Mark. I do think that that's the most controversial element. I kind of went into this expecting that based on, again, some stupid, like, fixation I, I have with, like, analyzing the trailers and everything. So I kind so of expected ridiculous how, I, no, I'm sorry. It's so I, ridiculous. I, I, it is ridiculous. But I did not like the tra- first trailer for this movie. I was like... No, no, no. no okay. we, have, we haven't talked about this yet. Hayden was able to piece together through his ridiculous eye for detail <laughs> that he and our other friend have. Yeah. I didn't even know the tower is going to be, Yeah. He was well, able so, to piece together that Michael's going to be possessing people. In so in the, in the first trailer, where it's just him sneaking up on Lori in her room, she turns around and shoots at him. In that trailer, you see that he has all the fingers on his hand where he's supposed to be missing two of them. I was thinking that. I was like, wait, and he lost his fingers. How? What? <laughs> so so I was like, honestly, at the time, I believe they just hadn't erased them with, with CGI or something. Yeah. But my friend, my friend Houston, who is on Reddit, and I, I'm not really on Reddit, but my friend Houston was like, oh, well, uh, you know, I think that there's going to be a copycat. And so with that, I, I didn't like that idea whenever I first heard it, but I heard it months ago. So it was in the back of my mind, and I was like, well, and then they dropped the second trailer, and you see the, the kid who's saying, we're going to have a good time tonight. You see him, like, in the sewers, and then Michael, like, grabs him by the throat. And for some reason, I was like, okay, yeah, he's probably going to possess that. Immediately, I went, okay, he's probably going to possess that kid. So while it was crazy that they actually went there, I did, I did, I'm not trying to prop myself up or anything, but I did have it in the back of my mind that that might be a possibility. That is some insane piecing together, and I love it. Because I thought that Calderthorn might come back because of Satine. There was just this weird obsession. And oh, I was hoping that would happen. Too. Oh, me too, if he came back. <laughs> like, all I, all I wanted from this was Calderthorn and to Michael Myers just to walk away at the final with sunglasses and a beard going, movies are cool, baby. Um, <laughs> neither happened, and I'm still happy with the result. But it is... Um, Lori walked away with the sunglasses, though. She did. She. Oh, my God, if this movie had ended one second earlier, I do not need... I hate the fact that it ended on the house. It should have just ended with oh, her I and like Hawkins. The house. Uh, I, I, her, I like the house. Her and... I mean, it's meant to be a single of hope because that is what the house is. It's what you do when um, you are healthy. That is what the house looks... Is The town is meant to look like, and that is what the promise is. But I just wanted her and Hawkins just sitting on the porch talking about um, flower blossoms. <laughs> and, it mir- and it mirrors the ending of the first movie because it's, yeah. it's, it's like this... It's not the same, like, uh, areas of the house, mm. but it... it and then you you hear her breathing, yeah. And then it's like the mask on the table, and then don't fear the reaper plays. Honestly, mm. I loved the ending. I thought it was, I was like, wow. I mean, and it was hopeful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so good. This movie's yeah. great. No, I mean, I love it's very good movie. My favorite line out of this whole movie is when Jamie Lee Curtis and Will Patton are in the supermarket. They're talking about that oh. he eats too much meat, and then she just looks at him and goes, "I like your face." <laughs> It is can so we, adorable. Can, okay, because I've heard some people that we may know complain about the dialogue in this movie. Can I just say, like, I think all the flirting scenes between people, I think all the scenes of people just talking cook. Like, I think they're great. 
I think the dialogue is really good. I get kind of like butterfly feelings in the grocery scene when, when they're when Frank and uh, Lori are flirting, and in the scenes where um, Allison and Corey are flirting. I love that Corey is has forgotten how to flirt, so he's he's being really mm. awkward, and Allison's just like, "Nope, you're the boy I want." She is so from the get go. She's like revved up yeah. and ready to go. It I'm is... ready to go. This is this is happening, whether you like it or not. We're doing this. <laughs> Corey's like, "What? what? Again, ready to go? Likes is... me? What's happening?" <laughs> She is much different than when we last saw her. Yes, she mm. is. She's been through some stuff, and I love the connection that they have. Uh, well, Allison has with Corey. Corey has to work up to it a little bit because he's like, "Wait, good things don't happen to me." Um, but the fact that she she goes, "I understand." He goes, "You don't." She goes, "No, I do." We've both been through something. Um, mm. She goes, "Yeah, but you're the hero. You survived." And she's like, "Yeah, people don't see me that way." Um, yeah. they literally look at me the same way they look at you and because it's a tragedy. What happened to that kid was a tragedy. Um, and so she kind of is pushing the connection a little bit cause she wants this to happen where this Corey's like going, I like that a pretty girl likes me. This could be really good. But at the same time, I need to be cautious because good things don't happen to me. Like ever since yeah. that moment, they, it, everything's just gone i'm not can't get out of my parents house i'm not gonna have the future i thought i was going to and now i'm stuck in this town where everyone's looking at me going oh yeah you're the guy who killed that kid mm -hmm. um and that moment when he's in the bar and he's having like really weird white boy dancing and he goes to get a drink and then the mother is just sitting right there it's like oh of course she is <laughs> and of course uh -huh. yeah if i was that mother yeah i'd be like going oh you're smiling mm, good for you <laughs> it's, yeah it's a completely yeah. understandable reaction from her. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you feel for Corey because you're like, oh, he was having a good night. <laughs> if I was Corey, I would have been like, look, look, bitch, if you knew how, if you, <laughs> if you knew how big of a piece of shit your son was, no, I'm joking. Yeah. But no, I, I'm joking. It, it is a, it's a great scene because you're kind of right there. It is weird dancing. Yeah. You're like these two The people, way it's cut, it's weird. I, I don't, it goes back to kills. I'm like, what, what are you doing with the editing? <laughs> Well, it's weird and it's very heightened because he is mm. writhing on the ground. Yeah. And she is like, she's like vibing over him and it's everything. It's very witchy. But, yeah. Yes. Oh but it, oh, it's so witchy. Later, she puts her hands over her eyes and like the moon is in the yeah. And this movie's got a weird obsession with tarot. I'm it really you, does. Voodoo shit going on in the background. But like, but uh, <laughs> I, but I kind of bought into the dancing because like when you think about it, these two, like you said, like both you said, these two people have been through so much. This is the first night they've had fun in probably four years, mm. you know? And it's just like, I, I'm just, I, this movie, it, it has me riding waves, you know? Mm. And I, I'll i be honest, I did have to sit on it, or sit, uh, <laughs> I did have to sit and think about it. I had to sit on it. Mm. I had to sit and think about it for, <laughs> for like a day, a day and a half, and then I was like coming around on it. And when I rewatched it, it just worked so well. Cause the, my biggest disappointment the, when I first saw it was the lack of Michael, because Michael is my boy. Like he is my favorite thing about these movies. And at first I felt like they did him a disservice, but you know, I kind of love seeing him as this weird universal monster mummy Frankenstein. Yeah. Kinda, like, Tr this like troll yes. who creeps around in the sewers 
like steals like they mentioned it's great it's great world building where they're like mm. every now and then he'll come out and take someone into the sewers yeah and, and they don't come out missing, again yeah you see these yeah. missing oh people god it's so perfect oh my god that homeless man who was like questioning Corey is like the, the the person Corey first intentionally kills i guess like he's being attacked but then um. he- I'm Michael Myers. I'm Michael Myers. <laughs> and he goes, why did you come out? I want to go in. You give me the go back and get me the mask because I'm Michael Myers. And then he uh-huh. attacks him. And then Corey just goes way too big with, with the stabby stab. And then you realize, yeah. oh, he's just killed someone. And then when he goes home and he strips down, he's looking in the mirror. He's looking at his face. He's looking at his eyes because he knows something has happened. It is, um, I, yeah, I got really excited. As soon as that connection happened, I was like, Oh shit! There, Jason goes to helling the shit. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I was that's when I was on board because I was sort of watching at the beginning, going, "Okay, with this weird kid. Okay, he kills a kid. Okay, don't. Why are we starting with this particular song over the Universal credits? I'm, I'm. That's mm, no, no. The song, the song was perfect. Oh, like, I know. That's I that's another it. thing. Yeah. Like, because the first two they open with, you know, that eerie John Carpenter yes. synth music yeah. uh, over the Universal logo, and it's great. But then, like, to just, like, further show how this one's kind of veering away from those two. Yeah. It uh, opens with a little novelty Halloween song. I uh, love Complete with a radio DJ for the people who have been speculating about a radio tower for the past year. Hayden. Um. And, um, (laughs) no, I was about to, I was about to say something. Hold on. What were we talking about before? Um, oh, yeah, no. So, the whole, like, uh jason goes to hell thing i kind of viewed it as like them uh piggybacking like their own little version of the ending of uh halloween four where people wanted the evil to be passed on to someone else Mm. and this is them saying like okay let's make a movie where michael passes his evil on to someone and i thought it was a very i thought I, i i do think that was like kind of their like you know, Halloween 2018, Halloween 20, uh, Halloween Kills thing of like paying homage to the franchise's history. And that way they were doing it, paying homage to a sequel that never existed, but that everyone, all Halloween fans always speculate about. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a little sad. There's not a moment where I'm still a little sad. There's not a moment where Michael gets his groove back, like in kills when he slips the mask on and that song starts playing. I'm a little sad. He doesn't get a moment like that. But at the same time, you can't out kills kills, you know, like that was the Michael Myers movie where it's like, okay, he's cranked up to 12 and this is the most insane Michael Myers movie you'll ever see. So I get that you can't top that. Mm. And again, it's very Stephen Kingy for the the evil, the big, bad, evil guy to be this pathetic withering kind of evil. But there's this kind of moment when he kills Corey and he gets his power back. Like you can almost see yes. him being electrocuted. He stabs Corey, and then he's oh my god, I'm getting he's getting electrocuted, mm-hmm. and that's when it kind of kicks off with him and Laurie in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that she has to stab his hand, his hand, and the fridge comes down on his leg, and it takes mm-hmm. like two slicing of veins for him to actually die. It is well. Here's the yeah. thing, because we just we're coming off of a movie again. Love this movie, but it is a little. It is very, me- this whole franchise and its rules are very messy because oh, rules we do not matter. the, <laughs> the ending of Kills has this entire mob beating him shooting mercilessly. Him. And shooting him. Destroying him, obliterating mm. him. 
and he comes back and kills him like it's nothing. And this one, Lori just sli- uh, slices his, his throat and his uh, veins on wrist, his uh, hands, yeah. wrist. Yeah, wrist. Jesus <sighs> Christ, I can't. I'm out of it right now. Yeah, slashes his wrists. And that is enough to incapacitate him long enough for them to get the entire town together and uh, have a procession to the uh, to the junkyard. And, the and- funeral procession is so good because it's like this movie is like a realistic, a, a relatively realistic movie by these standards. By keep saying realistic. <laughs> well, by this franchise standards, yeah. this one's more grounded than the mm-hmm. last two. And then that funeral procession is like kills. Like it goes back to like, all right, we're getting we're. We're getting the whole town together. We're going to, like, throw this guy into a giant meat grinder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I do actually love that. There were a few moments where I was like, okay, are they going to steady the ship? And they did, for, for the most for the most part. Um, they kept every the characters true. I mean, yes, it, it was a lot easier to kill Michael than <laughs> this one that it was in, in but- Friggin' Kills. Um, but there's sort of a sense of... Um, the town finally getting their justice like that procession when you saw the characters and you even saw julian like walking uh-huh. up the street and it was like oh yay even though i love that bit and kills when he's like being interviewed and he's like yeah she was my favorite babysitter <laughs> julian's like one of the mvps for me yeah um and I then you see julian. you see sandra being wheeled you see the sheriff in his amazing hat um there's a We're- whole <laughs> bunch of things and like you know him and uh laurie and um frank tie the uh thing to the car and it's it is kind of a weird moment but it's fitting for this series and i know a lot of people listen to this going yeah they fucking gave him a goddamn possession and and, and possession down the town and i'm like going, yeah for this movie it kind of works it's finally the town going you know what we've had enough of this shit. we've been sitting in our own mess for over 40 years um, mm. going back to even like the original babysitter murders and we're going to finally just let it, let it kind of go and try and move on the best of our ability. It won't be clean cause trauma never is, but we're just going to try and we're just going to do the symbolic thing of opening his head up like a pumpkin. I love that thing so much. We can just saw the head going bloop. <laughs> and Hey, it, I mean, is there like, okay. So if they're not going to cut his head off, they're going to toss him in that grinder and it's like, oh, it's like signaling to the audience. He is dead. He is not coming back. What better opportunity to make a sequel where they do the, they do the Dennis Etchison script and he gets reborn from a pump. Yeah. I'm leading this charge. We got to do it. We got to make Jason Blow make this. Someone pees on a pumpkin and Michael Myers returns. (laughs) 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 I am ready. Yes. Like Freddie. (laughs) It's sorry, Mark. You were going to say something. I'm just going to say because Hayden's constantly on about this Dennis Etchison script. I'm just waiting for the day when he reads it. And he's just like, "Oh okay. no." Okay, look. Here's the thing. They don't have to make it word for word. You have to admit, Mark. <laughs> there are ideas in that script that are so cool. Right. Okay, so well, what, what is this? What is the script that you keep referring to? <laughs> so that's so, so um, Dennis Etchison was a horror writer. Or, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, well, it'd be basically uh, originally for Halloween 4, they had approached John Carpenter again. Yeah. And he had an idea that he um, was going to develop with Dennis Etchison, who, yeah, was a horror uh, novelist. And he actually wrote under a pseudonym the novelizations for Halloween 2 and 3. Yeah. And so he wrote a script that uh, was very kind of 
cerebral. It's a very messy script, but there are good ideas in there. And it's very cerebral. And it uh, basically kind of culminates with Michael being reborn in a pumpkin patch. <laughs> and uh, it's the uh, uh, Mustafa Akkad Trinkus wanted nothing to do with it. This is everything he did not want. <laughs> Yes. It's it's got cool ideas like okay, so Haddonfield has outlawed Halloween for umpteen years since the since the babysitter murders, and this is gonna be the first year where they're celebrating it again. Um one of the something teenagers... they referenced in twenty eighteen, by the way. And something that was yeah. referenced in six. Yes. Uh well sorry, I didn't it, mean to cut you off, Aiden. No, you're good. So like, uh, so this is going to be the first Halloween celebration. One of the teenagers goes to a pumpkin patch. Michael Myers is literally like everyone's anxiety about Michael Myers manifests itself. And he is reborn from a pumpkin patch, kills this lady. Um, it all climaxes at it. And again, I'm sorry. I do need to finally read the script too, because Mark hates it. So I, I will eventually read the I script. I dislike it. I don't hate it. Okay. But like, it all climaxes at a drive-in movie theater, Dan Epler. And what happens <laughs> is the uh, the Haddonfield Police Department converge on the drive-in movie theater where Michael is just killing everybody. And then as they as they shoot at Michael, he begins to grow and like becomes like a kaiju Michael Myers. <gasps> okay, I kind of want this to be made now. It, will, it, everyone, sound it, it does sound amazing. Everyone will hate it, but me. <laughs> oh yeah, we we will love it. We will love yeah. it. No, it's it's kind of amazing, and I think that threat does actually go into this trilogy because Laurie does kind of manifest this whole thing. So when someone says you teased Michael Myers and brought this on it thing, they're not exactly wrong because she kept no. thinking Michael Myers is after me, and if you're following the rules of the fact that two never happened and they are not related. Mm. she still thinks that there's this obsession with this. Michael's just like been dropped off at her house, which is why yeah. he, he goes for her. I mean, even in the kills, they go, no, he's not after you. Um, Setting dropped, literally just dropped him off at your house. And this is why he was mm -hmm. there. Cause he wanted to see the whole point was he wanted to see um, you to interact. But Michael was just like, Oh, I'm killing you first. You're a fuckhead. I don't like you. Um, mm -hmm. And so this is kind of, everyone's kind of manifesting this kind of, the manifested Michael. And if the town's anger powers him up, then that kind of makes sense. Because yeah, the end of kills, that man should not have been able to get up, but he did. And he killed yeah. everyone like it was nothing. And then mm. it's afterward that he goes into the sewer and just hides and is like a scavenger, just like killing people every so often for like, I guess his food. Um, yeah. And it's not until he meets Corey where he's like, ah, hello, I, I see something there. And then Corey decides that, oh, no, I've got this thing now in me. I can go or brought out or whatever it is. I can now go in and kill people because essentially the first people he, you know, they throw him off, the kids throw him off the bridge and then he goes, um, no, he kills uh, Laurie's ex, uh, no, Ashley, uh, sorry, Allison's going to get the name right eventually, ex-boyfriend first, doesn't he? That's the one he actively sends to Michael. Well, he kills the hobo uh, first when he hobo, wakes yeah. up. Yeah. And then, yes, that night he lures the cop back yeah. to the sewer. Yeah. Wait, is the cop first or is the doctor first? Do no, the cop the is cop. first. Yeah, because right. that's, yeah, the, the doctor is when him and Michael go on a, um, a buddy. Spree together. Spree together. Yeah. 
Yeah. By the way, I'm worried. I'm losing. Sorry, I'm losing track of my memory tonight. I feel like I'm 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 getting uh, loopier as the night goes. Night. It's not even nighttime yet. That's how <laughs> out of it I am. I'm worried I'm gonna forget my thing where I discuss the like cool eerie horror sequences. So let me just quickly mention. I was gonna say better do the it now. scene. The scene at the doctor's house when the woman goes outside looking for him over her left shoulder in the background, almost in complete darkness, but lit just enough so you can see like some vicious movement and you know something's happening is just like, it might be my favorite horror sequence that he's directed in this franchise yet. I thought I was so creeped out by that. That is like, yeah, MVP horror sequence for me. Yeah, because he's Mark literally- Mark pointed that out to me and it was creepy. It was, he's actually- I o- And I only noticed it because- Yeah, you can hear it I was just gonna almost. say like, Hayden did. Hayden and our friend Houston didn't even notice it. And I I don't even, I'm not sure I would have noticed it had I not heard a couple other people in the theater go like, <gasps> no, it is- like that was one of those like, where the realization slowly spreads across the theater. There's something about the position that, um, Corey has the doctor in because he does it when he's holding down the cop and Michael's just like stabbing him. That mm. he's kind of holding him from me, sitting down, legs kind of sprayed, holding him in between, and just then stabbing from over the, the like his chest. Yeah, and he does the same thing with the doctor. There's something really creepy about the way that Corey actually kills people. It's mm-hmm. it's disturbing. It's not like Michael where. He's strong enough. He can just go up and stab you, whatever, from every way. Corey has to get into a position to be able to have the strength to actually kill kill you, and that is actually kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, Was there what another were you moment about Mark? Mm. Um, you know what? Let me check my notes. But that's the one that really. I mean, I love the whole junkyard scene. Like that's Ooh. just oh. that's just amazing. That poor girl and the radio the and the radio station. <gasps> the tongue. The, oh my. The tongue on the record is so good. So good. See, and that's another thing. You're talking about um, the uh, the oversaturation of callbacks in 2018 and kills. I've noticed a lot of callbacks in uh, ends to those two films and not to the original films. It's almost like it is trying to move. That's its way of signaling that it's moving on. And like, I kind of thought, like, you see the DJ with his like, like just like. His mouth, his mouth just eviscerated, and it really yeah. reminded me of the uh, mechanic with all of his, with his jaw yeah. just like completely removed in 2018. Yeah, mm. it, it, uh, it's, a, it's a powerful image when you see it, and it is kind of Corey. I like the fact that Michael's a little bit more indiscriminate; like he chooses who to kill, but it's very random at the same time. Corey has yeah. a plan; like he's literally going after everyone who's wronged him. Um, from the shitty or bands. Allison or Allison or yeah Allison. So when he goes after the to the doctor and she does give him permission when she says yeah let it burn, like like I'm oh, I'm yeah. done yeah. Oh my god, this movie is so. I need to watch. I might do that tonight actually. I make might, tonight my rewatch of it. I'm gonna have to rewatch it at some point because it is. The more I'm thinking about, I'm like oh I really want to watch this movie again. <laughs> I'll say one a... more creepy. Mo- oh mm. sorry. No, no, go, no, on go ahead. Go ahead. No no you. I'll just say, what just. Quick, I'll make this quick. One more creepy moment is when he's uh, Officer Mullaney is looking for Corey in the sewer, Ooh, and he yeah. 
was like he's uh camera's kind of panning with them and there's one shot where you see michael in the corner of the frame but Mulaney doesn't notice him yeah uh, because he uh his uh i think that's when he sees Corey, and so his attention is taken away mm. it's so good god i love david gordon green maloney is an idiot like that was the one where i'm he like is. going you idiot you shouldn't have gone but you had to be a douche nozzle and there is this whole strain of men thinking they can have women as possessions in this and Corey is very much a part of this like he's that, very, very absolutely. much he is very i mean he, he says it multiple times if i can't have her no one can um, i i will defend Corey because i think Corey. i honestly think that it's more of the evil it the evil saying that than Corey himself it it might be uh bringing out the evil in him but I do think you're given enough reason to really sympathize with Corey to the point where yes. I do mm. I do think that it's not him at that point. Yeah, and he is killing the um, people that he is now turning into. Like, he is turning yes. into the shitty band kids. He is turning into Mahoney. He is turning into the doctor and, his oh, parent, my God, his parents, his, his, mom. His, his mom and all that kind of thing. He is kind of turning into the creature that he is now killing, but also the creature that the town wanted him to be. Like, they really mm. wanted him to be this monster. Um, but I love all this, one of my favorite scenes, just remembering, is the nurse who gets killed up on, on the wall. Is, it's so annoying, like, she doesn't shut up. And Allison just like, God, don't you just shut up? Like, I'm sorry, you're really annoying. She just stares at her shocked and goes, oh yeah, I know, I just talk too much. I'm like going, <laughs> I feel you, she's girl. The I, she's the Tina of this movie. She is. I'm never sensible if I can help it. <laughs> I love Tina. You know, so if much. Danny McBride her. was involved, if Danny McBride was involved anywhere in this script, <laughs> that was the Danny McBride moment, I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's two things I want to bring up um, for sure before, before we close out. I don't know if we're closing out, but there's two things I for sure want to say. Um, number one, how funny is it that the end of this franchise is just Lori killing a bad babysitter? <laughs> yes, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and technically, she didn't. He killed the bad babysitter. Killed himself. She just was dumb enough to pull out the knife, and as soon as Allison's walking home, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but she just like unloads a clip in him, and he falls off the banner. There's no fight between them. Just no. Bam. Which I kind, of, which I like. I mean, we got so much action and kills. I don't mind that there's not a giant fight scene at the end of this. But, um, but the other thing. Okay, so I was always questioning, like, what? Because John Carpenter was involved in these, unlike any of the sequels beyond three. Mm. And it's just like, oh, okay, what was drawing him into this? And so. <laughs> I would say he was, Blumhouse's checkbook, but that would be me. Well, other than the checkbook, because he was creatively involved in this. And oh, like, was he? I thought it was just the music. Yeah. The music and apparently he in he and uh, Gordon Green were in step on on the scripts, and which I'm sure he was told the pitches for the other movies, but he actually did like interviews for these movies and was like interviewed about them. And so like and he was always very positive on them in a way, not like Stephen King usually is, where he's like, oh, the movie's going to be really good. And then it comes out day one. He's like, actually, it sucked. And I was never, I never thought it would be good. <laughs> um, John Carpenter was really into these. But the whole time, he was like, they're taking it back to basics. 
And I was like, uh, that's not what John Carpenter ever wanted them to do with these sequels. No. He always wanted them to get weirder. He was the one championing um, De- Dennis Etcherson. He had the famous quote where he was like, I would like to take Michael Myers to space. Um, he always wanted to do a weird and out there sequel. So like, I think that uh, this is just another, this is just another little piece of possible proof that the original pitch was the possession. I think maybe David Gordon I think it had to and, yeah, and told him, we're going to do something weird with this. And he was like, okay, I'm on board. John Carpenter, Absolutely. Is, a, yeah, John Carpenter is a very cerebral director. I mean, yes, people who love Halloween because they love how simple it is, how clean it is. And he is a very clean director. He loves straight sort of lines. He doesn't like bullshit. But at the same time, he is a very cerebral director. I mean, you just look at this Apocalypse trilogy and also Big Trouble in Little China. He loves it when it gets weird. He loves kind of a Lovecraftian um, unknown evil, especially like Prince of Darkness, um, where you just have devil as green goo. And all this mm-hmm. other shit is happening around, um, happening around it. And so, yeah, for John Carpenter to go, yeah, give me a weird Halloween sequel. That's kind of where I like to be. Makes much more sense of him going, oh, no, we must keep Michael pure. Like, mm-hmm. John Carpenter's never given a fuck about that. Halloween yeah. was a was a was a job for hire. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that he felt passionate about. Well, I think he did maybe the thing because he loves Hawk um, and also um, House uh, uh, Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness. He got Halloween because he wanted a job. He just made a really really good good amazing uh-huh. movie that spawned all of this. So I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think the pitch would have had to have been, I want Michael Michael to possess people or to bring out evil in the town of Haddonfield. And I want it to be about Haddonfield. Um, I think he would have been fine if Laurie hadn't come back, but Blumhouse got Laurie back. Or I, I don't know how the mechanics work. This is just me assuming mm-hmm. how I think Blumhouse works as a studio. But it is but yeah that's kind of for me what the meat of the series is it is something is wrong with this town it manifested in michael and because i think there is a transference between laurie and the town as well especially in kills Mm. i think i see especially through anthony michael hall's tommy doyle he's taken on laurie's baggage and bullshit just as much as karen has it's just Mm. manifested in very different ways so i think there is this weird idea of how evil and anger just and the whole line of you know people take on other people's pain as their own story i think it's part yeah. of that as well so no i think it had to have been because it's run all through the trilogy like yeah i don't think each element was particularly planned but i think that is a thread that he, david gordon green has constantly pulled on throughout the series so um yeah yeah, yeah i'm saying it this has more of a plan than star wars <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um, anything else you want to say about uh, ends before we wrap up, or any other ha- thoughts on Halloween in general? Oh man, I'm just um, I'm counting down the days for Bloomhouse to announce that they're doing anthology movies next, and then I do think that they will have another Michael movie in the near future. the The 50th anniversary is coming up. It is in a few years. Uh, I think they'll announce something in in 2026, and it'll be out by 2028. Halloween loves an anniversary. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mark, um, I'll quickly say, uh, piggybacking off the whole uh, Halloween Five that follows up on the ending of Four, where 
Jamie is now possessed by the evil of Michael and she's the killer. I part of me thinks it would have been interesting because they hint at this like anger and frustration uh, lur- or lurking inside of Allison. Mm. And I think it might have been cool if we had seen her get possessed by Michael. But this, I mean, this movie does not want to be that harsh on its trauma victims, especially after uh, Kills, which was just Jesus Christ. So instead, they give us a new, they, they give us a new kid, and that's fine. He's a good character, but I think it would have been cool to see like Allison take up that mantle. She was holding that knife very suspiciously at the end of the first. She was. Uh, oh my movie. god! What if that was their original plan? Because I think. We made fun of that idea. We always made, what, is Allison supposed to be the next killer? But, like, clearly they had the idea of possession. Maybe they were originally going to do that. Maybe that was the original, like, the night of idea that they were going to do. Oh, my God. The original ends idea before COVID. Yeah, maybe. I I think you're on to something. Again, don't take this as criticism of the movie we have, which I have just spent, like, an hour and a half professing nothing but love for, but... That would be I cool do idea. wish we could peek through the veil and see what 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 was going to be with that other yeah. third movie. David Gooden Green, DM me. Let me know. I yeah, Allison. <laughs> Slide <laughs> in my DMs. Slide too. in my DMs. Let me know. Um, no, because that would have been fascinating. I think I would have pushed back a little bit against it, just the way that I did with Kills. With um, a few things happened in that, just because I do love mm. Allison as a character. I think she's I mean, amazing, yeah. and I think she's amazing. I love things. Allison too. Yeah. Yeah. After seeing what happens to Karen, yeah, I don't want to see anything bad happen to Alice. Well, I literally just said I did, but I do and I don't. No, I like the fact that she drove out of Haddonfield. I like mm. that. Jamie she Lee gets Curtis. her mic. She gets her mic from it ending. She does. Leaving the town. She finally thing, yeah. gets to end. She finally gets to leave the town. She gets to kind of start a new life. Now I, I love that. Now I've brought this up a few times. I just I just did, but I do want I do want y'all's uh, thoughts on this. What are the chances they finally do Halloween anthology movies? Because again, Ryan Turek is probably the 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 like biggest producer on that. He's the one always giving the interviews on them, right? Mm. And he is the one who's kind of like he was on Shockwaves. He knows how all these fans are. Everyone loves. Halloween three now, like everyone is on board for a Halloween anthology series. I unfortunately think they'll remake Halloween three and then see how that goes. And then we'll do an anthology just, which I don't particularly want. I think, cause I don't I'd know love how them to do a sequel to three. Yes. I want to see what your sequel, sequel your sequel idea is amazing. Like yeah. what happens after a generation of kids die. <laughs> yeah. Like d- d- freaking do that. But like, yeah, I do. I do think that they'll, it's so weird. It's like, we're going to test out the anthology waters by making a sequel. <laughs> like, yes. It's, antith- it's like antithetical to the idea. It is idea, but, but I think, um, but no, but that's an antithetical making a remake, but I think, but I don't know how you do Tom Atkins character nowadays. Like, I just don't, uh, you can have a horny, yeah. but uh, I, I don't, like he's the worst weekend dad ever. Um, he is. But that's what makes him so good. <laughs> it makes him so <laughs> good. Know? It's like tell the, gonna, tell, tell the kids I can't be there right now. Why? Because I'm going on a sex campaign. God damn it! <laughs> I'm sleeping with everybody. And I'm I, with, he's, yeah. It's so funny how he's like on the mission. He he looks like he could not give less of a shit about the actual mystery of that <laughs> yes. movie. It's only when they oh they took away my fuck buddy. I need her. Yeah. Um, 
it's where'd she go where'd she go i need a fuck jesus christ um no it's i don't know how you do that character today and still keep his essential horniness and terrible weekend daddery so um yeah but i think that's what would happen and then they're like okay we'll do like anthology sequels I, to like i know Halloween what they're dreams. gonna do like, oh. they'll be pitching the remake and turek will say what about a podcaster <laughs> oh my god oh (laughs) i hope they do anthologies though man i i mean this is not the last one we're going to see michael again oh yeah it's undeniable it it is kind of a shame we won't see more of this world because i really liked this version of haddonfield and everything but i'm down for whatever they do next Mm. man i'm lifelong lifelong michael myers halloween fan so yeah does anyone know uh, how much how well this one did at the box office? I'm looking it up right now. I don't. I don't. No, how well it's, did Kills do? So Kills Kills made like 50 million, which in the middle of a pandemic for a movie that was also released on streaming for free. Yeah, that was great. And okay. it looks like Halloween ends because a lot of the uh, a lot of those HBO Max movies that they released in theaters and streaming at the same time, they did not do that great. No, this was like the exception to the rule on it. Um, so it looks like Halloween Ends made $41 million this weekend, which is very good. It's pretty solid. For a, I mean, very good for a Blumhouse movie, a low-budget mm. movie, and for a movie that was also released on streaming. So this whole tr- uh, trilogy, I mean, it kind of got progressively worse uh the box office returns but they they all still did really good for that's, low budget horror movies and that is um that is like with every trilogy i mean you even look at going back to star wars it's always that way the first one makes all the money and then they progressively go a little bit diminishing less, returns diminishing returns i, returns I think a great office. way to bump it i mean i'm not a financial guy at all but i think a great way to bump it would be like we're doing another halloween and it's gonna be completely different you got to you like who's not going to want to see like oh they're doing a halloween movie I don't know I just think it's a different world I think more people would be excited by that than not Holy shit the worldwide box office for Halloween Kills was still 130 million off a 20 million dollar budget um, Oh my god Yeah for kills was, or ends That's kills For kills damn Yeah internationally um ends is made 50 million nearly 60 so okay um that's and it's only been open at the time of this recording it's only been out for like the weekend so that's um that's you guys want to hear something else crazy what terrifier 2 is in the top 10 fuck me i'm gonna go god i'm gonna have to see this goddamn clown movie aren't i (laughs) good i'm starting i'm starting to war i used to be like no no don't listen to me i'm always wrong but now that more people are seeing it and liking it i'm like do it go i read what happened in the first one and no and now everyone who i love and respect is saying no it's really good and i'm like as soon as daniel goes yeah the second one's really good i'm like what is happening in the world It's as mean as the first film, but yeah. it's not as cruel as the okay. first film, if that makes any sense. Mm. I just hate Art the Clown. I hate him. I know. He, he, it's just the look of him looks, I don't know, skeezy. I don't know what is it. I mean, at least with Pennywise, there's kind of like, oh, I can see how you lure victims into the thing like for a second. But this one, I'm just like, mm. Mm. Yeah. I hate Art the Clown. <laughs> No, Art the Clown, no. So I'll see how I go. It's not here in Australia yet, which... I want to um, throw Art the Clown in a giant grinder. 
head turned from like a pumpkin. <laughs> no, he doesn't really have much of a head. It's kind of small, so it would just like squash like a pea. <laughs> he'd, 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 his brains would come out like a banana. It would. From a peel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I can't believe it. You never thought I'd get to a stage where I'm like, yeah, let's just watch Terrifier 2, see how it goes. No, it's two and a half hours. How is everyone forgetting that it is two and a half hours long? See, the thing, I'm usually up for a clown movie that's nearly three hours because the it movies are my favorite. But some but it's not. That's the thing. Is it's, but it's not, not it. it chapter two. It's not, it's it, not chapter two. it chapter two. It's something else. And I'm like, going, I really want to sit for two and a half hours looking at this clown. I don't know if I do. So we'll see. I guess but, you're right. A bunch of clown movies are that long. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I hadn't know. thought about it that way. Um, but you know what? We'll see. I'll probably, you time this come out, I would have gone, yeah, I've seen it. I liked it. I'll be like completely converted on art. But at the moment, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> tisk, tisk, tisk. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I've been looking forward to talking these movies. I love how the fact that I was just like, hey, let's do kills. And then I went, hang on, there's a new Halloween movie coming out this year. Perfect. This was incredibly oh, yeah. ambitious. And, this was. Uh, I had and aren't time. you... Aren't you glad that you did this and that you didn't have Hayden on to talk about five? Because I heard you on part four. You did not want to talk about part five if you didn't have to. No. And even had someone go, we should talk about, can't wait to have they talk about part five. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not talking. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hey, next Halloween, we can talk about five. We can talk about five. Um, oh, God, Tina. <laughs> I love Tina. Oh, oh I have to, oh. I have to watch it again to see how I feel about Tina, but the pleasant screaming at Jamie. You only only you can stop him. I'm like, oh my god, Pleasance, you've you've gone that past the point of tolerance now. I love you, but <laughs> this is the movie where I can't I can't deal with you. <laughs> I love He's that he, he goes full he goes full quint at the end of five. Uh, oh my god, full quint and beyond. It's <laughs> Yes. I love it. He's already pretty insane in part two though. Oh, I love Want him. Play a game after the little girl. <laughs> He's the right amount of crazy <laughs> in part two. It's just like after he kills, what's his name? Um, Ben. Um, oh Tramer. shoot. Beaker? Uh, can't remember. Oh, Tramer, Tramer. Tramer, Ben Tramer. It's like, oh yeah, we don't think it's him. It's probably Ben Tramer. Nah, who cares? It's not Michael. I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> Talk about someone who who has got blood on his hands in part two. So much. The amount of. The amount of restraint for them to never actually bring in Ben Tramer in these movies. Oh they just God. mention him in Kills. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's crazy that we never found out who uh, Karen's dad was. That's true. That's true. Do, do we crazy. never really find out the dad of any of her? Oh, wait. So we know Jamie's dad was called Lloyd, um, which Laurie Lloyd is a hell of a name if she <laughs> ever changed it. Um, we don't know really who um, John's dad is, except that he was a methadone, methadone addict. And we definitely don't know who Karen's dad is. So, you know, Laurie's always been a... Look. A mystery. A mystery when it comes to um, Laurie's children. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, thank you again. This has been absolutely wild yeah, Thank and you for having us. I've been so yeah, looking pleasure. forward to this. Yeah, I had to, as soon as I was new I was doing Halloween, Kills, I'm like, well, it has to be Hayden and Mark. There's no other people who I could have talking about the David Gordon Green trilogy. Um, so before we go, Mark, please tell people where they can find your good work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I don't know if it's good work, but you can find me, you can find my work, if you can <laughs> call it that, on uh, Twitter, uh, at the shape 14, capital T-H-E underscore capital S-H-A-P-E 14. 
Uh, find me my name, Mark Warner, on Letterboxd. I'm always just posting nonsense. I've logged Halloween 2018 like 15 times at this point, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and Halloween Kills, I've logged like 10 times. And that's only been out a year. I know. You've, you've gone hard on kills. And it's great nonsense on Letterboxd, I have to say. Hayden, where can people find your good work? Thank you. So you can find me on Letterboxd at Hayden Comes Alive. Um, I did just have a new short story come out in a publication called um, <laughs> Roadkill Volume 7, Texas Horror by Texas Writers. Mm. Um, it's a short story called Axe Squatch, and it's about a Sasquatch with an axe. Excellent. That's so, uh, <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah, you can. That That's that's what I got going on. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening to this Halloween um, series. I've had so much more fun than I ever thought I was going to have on this series, but just going through these movies and how they're all so different, I think it's just been um, kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, so this is going to wrap up the Halloween. Um, yes, it's coming out on Halloween, as you already know, because it's already out by this point. Um, and yeah, so thank you for listening. Schlocken or one on Twitter and Instagram, as usual. If you want to follow me, it's Reading Geek, also uh, Twitter and also Letterboxd. Um, and yeah, I, this oh, it's always a blast getting together with you guys, and this was just extra so much fun. Um, and yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, oh my god, I could have to go watch ends right away now. <laughs> <laughs> just i need to i need more cory in my life apparently but yeah thank you so much uh for listening and we will be back with another double feature all right thanks guys well, do y'all well real quick do you yep. want to say happy halloween on three all together yes or do you want to say it's halloween we're gonna have a good time tonight yes oh shit like all together yeah we'll yeah, try let's do it okay <laughs> all right three two one it's Halloween. Halloween. It's Halloween. We're gonna have a good time tonight. <laughs> Look, it was worth it. It was worth a shot, guys. It was worth a shot, and we and we did. It was Halloween, and we had a good time tonight. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> now, now, Lindsay, at the hmm. very end, should I'm I've been wondering, do you want to drop a clip of him saying that, or the pumpkins and goblins and something did that, that little that little chant they do in Halloween of the little kids. Oh. Considering, uh, let me say that we've said it's Halloween and we're going to have a good time tonight like a hundred times over this recording. I feel like it kind of has to be that. It has to be that. Like, it's a, it's a great line. It's it's taken over. Evil's going to die tonight. It, like, it, it seriously has. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah.